Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Good evening and welcome. It is Fight Night on Talk Sport. We are your home of boxing every single Saturday night. We dedicate a, a large chunk of our airtime uh, to the, uh, the pugilistic sports of boxing, a little bit of MMA. And uh, all things kickboxing when Gareth A. Davis is alongside me. I saw you with the Cobra. I saw you. Oh, dear me. Nearly took his nose off some. His new nose as well. Do you know what? Imagine if that foot had landed, that right foot had landed on his nose. Oh, my God, I'd be dead now, I think. It's a few quid. It's a few quid. (laughs) Uh, Lots coming up on the show, including a look back at last weekend, uh, Tony Bellew's efforts at becoming the undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world. Floyd Mayweather. It was on. It was off. Now, allegedly, he's back on again. He's going over to Japan. Uh, for the new year for a little bit of a showdown we're a kickboxer we'll talk about that and there's loads of other things going on in the world of fight sports as well so make sure you stick with us from now all the way through if you can't stick with us I understand it's Saturday night you might be going out for a bit of, of a bite to eat you might be going out for a bit of a drink you might even just be on your way home from work and you think to yourself do you know something I'm shattered I'm going to go to bed don't worry this will be podcasted it will be available on the TalkSport website and it will be available via iTunes just check out Fight Night Live. That's all you got to do. All right, get on that, get it subscribed, and you'll never miss us. We're there every single Sunday for you, as well as obviously live on the radio on Saturday nights. Uh, now then, last week they, they separated us, mate. They split us up. They put you in Manchester. They put me in uh, in Old London. Now I obviously watched this on television um, without commentary. I've watched it back with commentary, and I have uh, what me and Froch. Yeah, you and Froch are <laughs> kicking living daylights out of each other. Uh, no, I'm obviously referring to uh, the Bellew um, Usyk fight, and obviously mm. everything that happened on the undercard. Mm. And one of the comments that I made during last week's broadcast was watching something on TV compared to watching something in the arena is very, very different. Mainly because of the atmosphere and the reactions from the crowd for every single thing that the home fighter does. And now, when I watched it back. With the commentary on, I could hear every every single moment of attack, even if it's a single punch attack. Tony Bellew, the crowd were up and the crowd were the crowd were going crazy. The atmosphere in the arena last weekend must have been must have been something to behold. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. And there's another, of course, there's another kind of spatial element to what you're talking about as well. Is of course because. You know, when you watch at home, this is a really important point actually to start the show, Adam. When people 
score fights as well. Mm. When you watch at home on TV with the sound on or with the sound off, you had the sound off obviously because you were in the studio with Glenn and, and John that night. Mm-hmm. Um, you're watching it in in two D. Yeah. And you're um, when you're watching it live in real time, it's three D with all those things around you, like you say, and particularly the atmosphere. And you know that every time Tony Bellew misses a punch, he gets a cheer. Yeah. Sways and evades a punch, he gets a cheer. Every time he flicks a jab out literally and it misses by six inches he gets a cheer it was a very very pro tony bellew crowd because of course everyone knew that it was his swan song fight everyone was willing him on to put on a brilliant performance and even though i say that i think Usyk was booed into the arena and cheered out of it yeah which is how gladiatorial combat should be mm. for a great champion and a winner. Um, the atmosphere is one of the very best I can remember. I even jumped out of my seat and got to the <laughs> um, I got to the um, the row where they both walked in just to try and get as close as possible. It was amazing to see Adam how much Tony Bellew he was very psyched up of course as he always is but you could genuinely see that he was trying to draw on it Mm. and he was trying to savour it at the same time all that nonsense about it's just another fight for him in the build up he knew it was his last effort Mm. and I think it showed in the performance and I think even though he was kind of um, usicked if I can use that term with a coruscating straight left and a, and, and a left hook and when you look at it back I mean I didn't see it at the time his head was talked across his neck yeah. with that last punch um, the crowd really appreciated the audience really appreciated and long into the night I hasten to add you yeah. know what Manchester's like on a fight night yeah. um, they really appreciated the 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 ultimate efforts that this this folkloric yeah. working class hero has given to British boxing, certainly in the twilight of his career. It was a glittering end to it in many ways. No question about that. I think um, during the fight, the first time I watched it round, I was... How many times you watched it then? I've watched it about three times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was on again last night. And I, was, <laughs> yeah, I was having a little bit of a nausea last night yeah. as well. But the, the first time I watched it, I was kind of in awe of how well Tony was doing early on. And maybe a little bit hard on Usyk early doors it's only now with the conclusion of the fight and knowing how it ended and knowing how this all played out is that I can start to appreciate what Usyk did early as well as late in the fight I've, I've watched it back a couple of times like I said his footwork even though he's not doing anything and throwing shots and he doesn't waste the thing does Usyk I don't think he threw a punch in no, the he first didn't. round he doesn't in, throw in, anything you know. no jabs nothing nothing of any real note nothing of any real significant but he's the way he moves around the ring he makes his opponent work at an uncomfortable pace and that that is that's what the top boys do that's what the elite lads do that's what the guys from different planets do you know he's not doing anything he's just waiting for you his patience was outstanding last week well that's why um you know in in sports in in all sports um when we when we judge greatness and that's why people are starting to use the tag great with with alexander um that there's you know, it's those... Muhammad Ali lay on the ropes against George Foreman yeah. in Zaire uh, in 1974 and waited for Foreman to exhaust himself. And I bet um, during the fight, a lot of people thinking, what's he doing? Exactly. Um, I, 
when you look at just crossing to the UFC mixed martial arts for a moment look what Anderson Silva used to do for the first two or three minutes of a fight all he would do I'm moving I'm jiggling my shoulders now he would just move dance step and Usyk seemed to be doing that and that was the strategy he told us afterwards he just listened to his corner they said to be very calm Mm. don't engage and he was working out Bellew's movement. Um, Bellew was very unorthodox in his movement early on. Mm. Um, he looked to strike when he was close, and he was very effective in the first round. And I think Usyk's game plan of looking, like I say, using his own footwork, working out the range with Tony Bellew, being, engaging in a phony war, first of all, um, was in order to just see where he would have openings against Tony. And weirdly... It played into a different type of fight than we all imagined, mm. with Tony at least three rounds ahead in the, after the first three rounds, mm. maybe f- maybe five one up, five two up after seven. Um, but I think what it did, it made it a more interesting contest. But in those early exchanges, Usyk got to see that Bellew was very dangerous. It mm. wasn't just something in his mind. He really was dangerous. He felt him. He touched him a lot. Mm. And um, I think it made for a better fight because in the end, you know, when Tony slapped his thighs with his gloves in the second round, yeah. Usyk was like, yeah, yeah, I do want this. And so Tony got the best out of Usyk. And I think Usyk's um, reputation, his brilliance, mm. the way he was in the week, got the best out of Bellew in the mm. fight as well, mm. you know. Uh, we're going to talk more about Alexander Usyk uh, in the next part of uh, tonight's show because I'm in awe of the fella and it's going to be interesting uh, to see what his journey now uh, entails going up to heavyweight, we imagine. Uh, but I think we should concentrate still on uh, a little bit more of Tony Bellew and he was talking, obviously, post-fight uh, in the press conference. Let's hear what he has to say. It's boxing at the highest level, so you, you've got to accept you can't always win. Uh, a part of me doesn't care about the money. I couldn't give a about money. And I've made an enormous amount of money. Like I can't believe I've got it, to be honest. Uh, and I'm not I'm not flash with it. I don't spend it. I mean, I wear this watch. And it's unbelievably flash, but I didn't pay for it. The sponsors. <laughs> and I can't, I'll be honest, I wouldn't pay for it. I, I can't, but I mean, I would pay for it if I had it. Well, I've got it, but I can't condone it's an amazing watch of Vistos, thank you very much. Uh, I don't know, tonight I've, I, it's over. I've been doing this for 20 years, like 20 years I've been doing it. I just wanted to prove people wrong and I didn't tonight, but you did. I showed yeah. I could... Uh, just tonight. I just, I don't know mate, I, I've achieved all my wildest dreams. I, I told you all and I wasn't now and I said that I've had my moment and I had me go to some park and, and I really thought by carrying on, I thought, I'm stupid for doing it because someone's going to give me a good hiding one day. And I've never really had a hiding, in all honesty. And I don't think tonight I got it either. And I've wanted it, but it just hasn't come. But he was just, he was, no excuses. Uh, <clears throat> I've had a fantastic, I, I, I've, I've, I've won. I, I, I sit here as a loser tonight and I feel heartbroken. And but, mate, I've won in life. You gotta understand when I left school, well when I was expelled from school for defending a school teacher by knocking out a kid who smashed a can of ribena in the face, I had nothing. I had nowhere to go. Meet my three boys who are multi-millionaires and, I, and I've earned it every single penny by punching people in the face. I never dreamed this would ever be possible. I had no way out when I left school. There was nothing for me to do. 
I come from great parents. <clears throat> I've got the best father anyone could wish for, and I've got a good mum. So, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done. It's just hard coming out like this. I thought I'd get to go out on a, on a win, but I lost to a great champion, mate, so there's nothing I can say. A very emotional uh, Tony Bellew last week in the uh, post-fight uh, press conference. How will he be remembered, Gareth? Um, as we saw there, raw, emotional, honest, authentic, and towards the end of his career, a champion of British boxing, boxing and a champion for the sport, Adam, in what you can achieve. As he said in his own words there, nothing. He'll also now be remembered as Anthony Bellew. <laughs> Valet, as they'd say in Latin, goodbye, um, Tony Bellew, salvete, welcome, Anthony Bellew. And he's going to be a very popular figure around the boxing circuit forever. No question. Um, do stick with us. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with myself, Adam Catterall and Gareth Air Davis. Uh, we're still looking back at last weekend because as well as Tony Bellew bowing out of the sport, even though he's been here for quite a long period of time with a fantastic amateur career and uh, obviously the undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world, I think he was introduced uh, to the British fight fan uh, last weekend. What next for Alexander Usyk is coming next. You listen to Fight Night on I thought we were listening to Barry White. Are you? Sounds like well, it's Saturday night, isn't it? There's a lot of people that do go out on Saturday nights. There's a lot of people that stay in and do a bit of spooning, Gareth. I know that you're a, a love another fighter, really, on Saturday nights. I don't know. Saturday night's your fighting night, actually, isn't it? So maybe <laughs> no, this, no, Fridays. Maybe, Fridays. Is it? Yeah. This is, is this your Sunday night music? This is your wind down. Mm, this is, this is uh, early in the morning. This is a little bit in late morning. This is creepy. Stop it. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit in the afternoon and a little bit before you go to sleep, baby. Afternoon delight with Ron Burgundy. Nothing creepy about... <laughs> There's nothing creepy about love, baby. No, there's not. But not whilst I'm in the same room as you. All right? Stop it. It's fight night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth there, Davis. Uh, last weekend, uh, Alexander Usyk. And I think now that the dust has settled on that uh, performance, we can really, really get start to get stuck into Alexander Usyk as a fighter. I mean, a fantastic amateur. The, the list of uh, accolades and awards that he has picked up during his amateur career are outstanding. I think I said in the build-up to the Tony Bellew fight that if Tony Bellew was to beat Alexander Usyk, it would go down as one of the greatest British victories of all time. This is a, a world and amateur, uh, world and European uh, amateur champion, Olympic gold medalist, the man that's unified and become undisputed champion in the cruiserweight division, all within 15 fights. He is outstanding, and I think he proved that last week with his patience and his precision in the takeout. Uh, of Tony Bellew. Now, Gareth. Yes. The chat is obviously, where does he go from here? He's mopped up the cruiserweight division. And, and it's not like he's mopped up the cruiserweight division and there's still people to fight. He has beaten them all. All the champions, Bredis, Gassiev, Bellew, he's done them all. They've all been beaten. They're all in his wake. So you would automatically think, now, where's the challenge? The challenge is stepping up in weight, is it not? Yeah, it is. But I, I think also we should try and... I don't think, once he goes up to heavyweight, Adam, I think he will go up next. Um, we, I think he won't ever come back down to cruiserweight again. Um, you know, the fact that he, you know, he's going to be a star over here. I mean, this is a guy who could have played association football mm. as well, remember. He was semi-pro or a young pro till he was 15 in his own country. What you mentioned there about, what I think is extraordinary about him is, 
He kept his amateur career going so long, something like 400 fights. He didn't just win the Olympic title. He won... I'm looking at his record here, OK? He wins the London 2012 um, yeah. Games at heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think people are beginning to remember him a little bit now from that as well. He wins the World Championships at heavyweight mm -hmm. in 2011, the year before, in Baku, Azerbaijan. He wins the European Championships where in 2008? Liverpool, yeah, um, which came out during the week he's as well. And that his little mate Lomachenko was up there winning there as well, exactly. And, he dominated. and of course, he told that story about you know after he'd won there, he went clubbing and uh, with his all his mates, and he came out at four in the morning, asked this girl if she was all right sitting on the street, and he, mm. and she told him where to go, and he yeah, said, yeah. you know, I just love England. It's like you know, he, he it's aggressive, <laughs> yeah, but 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 I think I think he's very quirky. He's quite he's he's got all the eccentricities of a Brit. Mm. Um, he was fun last week in fight. I think those things are to take into consideration as well. He's 31, okay? Yeah, yeah. So physically, he is totally mature. Um, he's unbeaten as a professional. You mentioned all those victories, and, I, and I, I saw you mention it in the week as well, and I completely agree with you that... He goes to um, Krzysztof Glowacki's oh, yeah. Gdansk, Poland, goes to the hometown of, of the Polish fighter, wins the WBO. He goes, he retains it in America against Michael Hunter. He goes to Germany and he wins the quarterfinal, retain the WBO against Marco Huck. Yeah. He goes to Riga, Latvia uh, to fight Marius Bredis at home. This is the best one. He goes one. to Russia That's the best and one. beats Murat Gassiev and unifies it all. He's... Beaten Tony Bellew on the road, what he's shown mm. is that it doesn't matter who he's fighting and where, he's Alexander Usyk. Nothing dictates to him. Mm. I think there's another part here that I'd love to get your view on at all because there's so much we could talk about this guy, and I'm sure we'll do whole shows on him in the future. Um, where he compares with all the other great cruiserweights. And, and, and at the moment, looking at him, um, I think that he would outpoint a prime Evander Holyfield that's a, that's a shout. at Cruiserweight. At Cruiserweight, you know? that's a shout. Yeah. I, think, I think what it is, because uh, I've heard that debate a few times from other people that uh, that cover this fantastic sport this week, and obviously Evander's career's finished and therefore we know what he went on to do at heavyweight, and therefore there is the cherry on top of the cake for Evander, so, so we kind of know the complete body of work from him. Yeah, but I'm checking, I'm saying of course, just cruise of course. And that might turn away, and that might, because of what he did at heavyweight, might just uh, swear people's influence that, and it does, towards and it him. And it does, and it does. Whereas if you compare body of work, body of work, cruiserweight to cruiserweight, you can't argue with Alexander Usyk. He has beaten, like you said, every single champion in their own backyard and become the undisputed champion. All four belts and the ring magazine belt. He is the boy at cruiserweight. And I agree with you, I think... Taking on in that in those lovely mythical fights that we like to create, mm. him and him and Evander, it would be very close. But I probably agree with you. I think Alexander Usyk would 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 outpoint him. Yeah. Well, when you think about um, Evander retained his WBA and IBF cruiserweight titles, won the WBC and the lineal title. Remember, the WBO wasn't around. Yeah, it then. wasn't a prominent so belt. Yeah. He would have been as decorated of as course. Alexander Usyk at the time. That was 1988 April. Um, against Carlos de Leon um, and Evander would have been at the time it was 88 and he was born in 62 so he was 28 he was 26 26 it was 27 26 27 so very similar in many ways mm -hmm. um we, we have to reserve reserve judgment on what happens at heavyweight because 
yes, there were some big heavyweights around when Vander then moved up. Absolutely, you know, but he could he could live with the big guys, particularly of course Riddick Bowe. That's the one, and 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 Lennox Lewis, who are equivalent. Well, Anthony Joshua. Um, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder are slightly bigger, taller people anyway. But did he? The thing is with Evander, he probably his his cruiserweight life was maybe the level of opponent maybe slightly inferior to what Alexander Usyk's going through. But Alexander Usyk's heavyweight opponents, I don't think really are in the same bracket as Evander Holyfield's heavyweight uh, guys. You know what I mean? You're all right. It was a different type of Tyson when Evander fought him, but Riddick Bohr. Uh, Lennox Lewis, these type of guys. We're talking about all-time greats in the heavyweight division, aren't we? Well, it was five fights before he fought Buster Douglas mm. at heavyweight. So, you know, and, and that was fortuitous for him because, of course, Buster had already unbeaten um, uh, Mike Tyson at the time. Hadn't yeah. he? So, um, you know, the, the situation, there are comparisons here. I think I, the reason why Usyk, Adam, for me, is so good is um, Evander was technically very good um in the in 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 the art of being in close yeah. and, and, and and being um and and counter punching and and being very effective at shielding and blocking that brilliant old school american style black american style of boxing where you could take a whack as well and it, oh, of course I mean, <laughs> it were physically an absolute stud in, in a battle of physiques he beats alexander usik <laughs> i mean usik would be yeah, yeah. a he'd be a mentalist stand in front of him but that's not U6 modus operandi and what I what I love about him is that he as he stalked Tony Bellew in you know as Bellew tired at the end of the sixth mm. round before stopping him in the eighth he doesn't jump on someone he plays with them yeah. like a like a, a big cat stalking its prey and I think there's something a bit more sinister about that there is and I think but but what I loved about him was you know, he's a southpaw. The movement on his feet. We didn't see the work rate that we've seen against other people, you know, because mm. he, he just did his work effectively against Tony. Like, the punch stats weren't enormous for him. They didn't were need lower to be. He didn't need yeah, to be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think when you... Right now, my feeling is if Usyk can put on 15 pounds, to answer the original question, mm -hmm. if he can put on 15 pounds, if he can have... Where, where was he at fight night, by the way? Because a lot of people say £15, pounds, £215, because obviously the weight limit's £200. Pounds. So he's looking at him at £215, pounds, he's still a lot smaller than these 240 250 On fight night, would you say he's around about 230 anyway? He's up no. There? no, 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 no. Lower, 220? No, because... No, Muhammad Ali was six foot... Muhammad Ali was a very similar build to Usyk, I think, you know? Um, maybe a little more muscular, maybe not, but um, six foot three, 215 pounds was Ali's okay. pretty much optimum weight. They were smaller men then, of course, in, in some so ways. So on fight night, you reckon he's about 215? So I you're saying stick another 15 on to about 230, but he's still, st he's still a, I don't, lot, a I long think, way smaller than the no, rest of them. I think on fight... I don't know if he's 215 on fight night. I don't know is the truth. Okay. I, I haven't found out, but I don't think he wants to be much more than... You know, David Hay was very effective at 216, 217 pounds. Remember, the more weight you put on, the more speed you give away. Of course. And he wants to... His way of beating the likes of Anthony Joshua is to move all night, isn't it? Is to outscore yeah. him, to look for opportunities, to see the big man with punches flying over him or under him. He doesn't want to get in engaged. He doesn't want to tie I mean, up yeah. with him. So he's got to do a... Not Roy Jones against John Ruiz, but it's got to be something in that mould where, you know, um, Roy Jones Jr. was, of course, stepping up 
to fight a much bigger heavyweight, having started off at middleweight, for goodness sake. And he's he's got to be light and in and out. And I think... He's an interesting addition to the conversation, though, isn't he? Because, like you said, there's big boys there that can whack, Deontay and Anthony, uh, and Tyson Fury to an extent, who's obviously a big six-foot-nine lad. He's a nightmare for him. Tyson Fury would be a nightmare for him, but, I think. But regarding Usyk, yeah, all right, he's not as big as them. He's six-foot-three, right? Mm-hmm. But his skill set, yeah. there's an argument there. That's the debate, isn't it? His skill set's probably better than a lot of them. Uh, yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, uh, maybe not better than... Uh, yeah, probably slightly better than Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, though, is a freak of nature because of his length and his size. I think he'd be a very difficult opponent yeah. for, for for Tyson Fury. I think Deontay Wilder would be a fascinating matchup. <sighs> but the fight they're, they're heading towards, which obviously... Eddie Hearn believes that oh, he's got both of them, but Eddie Hearn believes that's a big selling fight against Anthony Joshua. That is, that's a, that, that's a fight that I am fascinated to see mm. because I think if Usyk pulls off a brilliant performance and proves against perhaps against the likes of I don't know Dillian White, Derek Chisora, Gerald Miller, and others that he can live with these guys, it, it, he's going to be. It's just going to be fascinating because if they land, they hurt him bad. Mm. But if they can't land on him, it's going to be, it's just going to be brilliant. It's going to be poetry. Look, he's a great addition to this brilliant boxing wave that is Mm. is kind of this tsunami of boxing that's coming through the UK. And he's willing to fight in the UK as well. Yeah, exactly. you are listening to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall and Gareth Davis. We've got plenty of guests coming up as well, including Dave Corwell and Anthony Crawler. Stick around for that. We've got lots to talk about in the world of boxing, including some huge fights uh, that are on the way before the end of the year. Tonight, I watched not just a great individual, but a great fighter. You know, someone that has improved so much with Dave Colwell. And when we're talking earlier to the press about like the Nathan Cleverly fights, you've gone from being not even really even world level in that fight to being elite level. And I think we'll all agree we're very, very proud of this man and what he's achieved. And I'm so proud that the British public have got to see the real Tony Bellion. You know, not this loudmouth scouser who couldn't even hardly stand up at 175 pounds. Kept telling you what he was going to do but actually couldn't do it. To someone that has fought everybody, that is a great man, great father, great husband, a great role model for young boxers, someone that's given everything to the sport, and tonight is closure. It's all over, you know, and he can leave having earned a huge amount of money, having won British, Commonwealth, European, and World Championships, and boxing an undisputed fight. So I just want to say how proud we all are of you, mate. You deserve it. You deserve it. It's just been a an incredible, unbelievable ride. Um, <laughs> it's not like it's been fight. It's been my the best five years of my life. From him asking me to coach him and work with him, um, it's taken me to have some unbelievable memories. Um, it's changed my family's life, um, and I've had I've, I've had respect off a lot of a lot of you people in here um, that I never had before. So I've got a lot to thank Tony Bellion for. 
um, every training session has been never something that I've, oh, it's work, it's a chore. Trust me, it's painful because I'm me, not very big, getting blasted on pads by him. It's, it's hard work, but the, uh, the banter, the personality, just everything about him is not is not just my fighter, he's not just my fighter that I work with, he's my friend. And um, I've got very few people in my life outside of my family that I can count on as friends. He's one of them and he's the first person that I'd always pick up the phone if I needed him. And um, it's been the best five years of my life and, and, and I just want to say thank you. Emotional scenes uh, post-fight in the press conference uh, last weekend. Now the dust has settled, it's always nice to get uh, Dave Caldwell on the show. Speak so eloquently about fighting and we just heard him speaking very emotionally there. Dave, I apologise if that's put a, a lump in the back of your throat listening to it uh, to, uh, once again. Uh, you know what, I've not, I've not listened to it, I've not watched the press conference back or anything um, because all I remember was, was it was it was just the hardest press conference I've ever, to, I've ever had to... Uh, to do so, uh, yeah, that's the first time I've heard anything back of it. It's it's good. E- good evening, David. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I, I'm good. I was standing to your left, just to your left, um, recording that with my Don King microphone um, <laughs> on the night, and what I didn't applaud because I don't believe in applauding at press conferences. But um, no, <laughs> all right, no, no, seriously, you hard I'm, man. No, no, no. I applauded, no, and I no. wasn't even there. No, I, I went and shook David's hand no, afterwards, no, and no. I shook Tony's hand yeah. afterwards. You know, I, I, you know, listen, I, they're both men I admire. They're both men I love very much, and I thank them after. But what I was going to say was, it's very unusual to get applause like that at a press conference mm. ever. Um, and you know, and it's the first time ever that I've seen tears in Eddie Hearn's eyes. I mean, I didn't yeah. know the guy cried. Yeah. No, seriously, <laughs> I didn't know that he was capable of crying. And D- Dave had tears in his eyes and was sobbing as well. Tony was sobbing. Um, Rachel, Tony's wife, was sobbing at the back of the room. Earlier on, when we heard to- the, 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 the audio from Tony sobbing, that was his dad shouting from the back of the room as well, that he was a great son. Mm. Um, it was definitely David, wasn't it? It was, it was a moment. Um, and we, we've already talked about you know what it was like. I, I've talked about what I experienced on the night, how you and... Tony really did soak up the atmosphere and make full use of it. And I thought that was really prevalent on the night that you you both lied to me in the week before and said, it's only another fight. It wasn't. It yeah. was a special yeah. fight. Come on. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Listen, you've, you've, got to be, you've got to be professional. No matter how difficult the circumstances are, you've got to be as professional as you can. But ultimately, we are human beings and mm. we do put... We put a soul into this sport, whether mm. you're a fighter, whether you're a trainer, you know, um, you, and, and very, you know, some managers and some promoters, very few promoters, but, but we put a lives and a soul into this sport. And when it's the end of, you know, what, you know, regardless of the result, win, lose or draw, and it's a mammoth, mammoth task in front of you, and you want the fairy tale ending, but you don't just want it, you want it bad, you want mm, it bad. Yeah. And that, no, I listen. I, I wear my heart on my, my on my sleeve, and you know I'll cry when we won, and I'll cry when we lose. It's because I'm emotional. I put I, I invest all my emotions into that, you know, into my fighters, into the people I work with, because I know what it means to them. And so to try and say, yeah, you will say outward like it's just another fight, but you have those moments where you just know what it is, and yeah. you know, 
coming coming out when we were coming out to the fight um, with the crowd and you hear we're in Manchester and you're with a scouser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fellas, listen. You know, I was looking around when when Tony's on the ramp himself, and I can hear the crowd. I'm looking around at the crowd. Oh, I, had to, I had to I had to check myself. I really did. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest thing. That that was the hardest ring walk I've ever had to do. Mm-hmm. It really was. It. it it, it overtook Kevin. I mean, I thought Goodison was, was tough. Mm. But but for me, because I knew this was the end, I knew it was the last time we was going to do it, everything, and I knew what, how bad we wanted to win. Emotionally, it was it was so charged. It was unbelievable. Dev, I know, listen, I know that you treat all, all your fighters equally. You, tr- you treat them all like sons. But with Tony, as you mentioned there in that little chat uh, in the press conference, he is a pal, and he's the reason that you yeah. were back in the game. He's the man that phoned yeah. you up. He said, listen, pal, I could do with your lift. Can you get back in? And that is now the catalyst for what's going on at, at, at Colwell uh, Gin. So I'm, I'm assuming that that's why the emotions were, were even yeah. higher for this, for this particular occasion. Yeah, because I feel that I... I feel that I owe everything that I've got to Tom. Um, where my life was before to where it is now is completely different, completely different. Um, and I'm talking about in just stress levels have gone. Um, I used to be, I used to, I used to panic about the fact that if I die tomorrow, I've got nothing to leave for my kids. I had nothing, and then he's come along and he's took me on this ride. And yeah, we've worked together, but ultimately he's got in the ring, took the punches, and and, and come through the other side. And everything that I, I can't explain to you, everything I've got, I saw it. So it just the Jamie McDonald success, world title wins. Gav McDonald, you know, winning Europeans, fighting for world titles. Jordan Gill winning Commonwealth. Now, you know, I've got Fowler on his way towards title fights. All that lot wouldn't have come if, if Tony hadn't have rang me up. and Sorry, Anthony hadn't have rang me up and, <laughs> and, and said, listen, we need, you know, I need to have a chat with you about what, what I'm going to do going forward. Went up to his house and asked me to come on board. If that, if that conversation had never taken place, if he hadn't trusted me with his career when it was... When he was at rock bottom after the season fight, if he, you know he trusted me then, and if he hadn't have took out that bit of trust on me, then my life would be completely different. Well, the funny thing is as well, David, I completely agree, and and also of course you revealing about how um, you know you'd, you'd won a purse bid, you know, um, yeah. you'd got involved as a manager, won a purse bid for Tony. T- was it European title, wasn't it? No, it was a it was a British. It was the British title. When, that's when right. Was, when, yeah, when I was promoting and and I was hoping to end up getting a, the, the Sky Deal that Eddie got. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. This. Thank God, thank God because uh, at the end of the day, I wouldn't. You know, that promoting lock is a nightmare. It's mm-hmm. an absolute nightmare. It's just a, a complete minefield. Um, but that's what I was doing at the time, and and we won the first bid um, for Tony, and. We uh, we put it on at the Echo Arena and mm. we lost an absolute fortune. So it took me quite a few fights before I got my money back on Tony. Exactly. <laughs> no, but that's what I find fascinating. What, what the, the thing is this as well, David, and and you know because I put you forward to the Ring Magazine as as one of the trainers of the year as well. A couple of times I have. Yeah, that um, meant a lot. yeah I appreciate that. Um, well, you deserved it, and 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 but. There comes a moment in one's career, and you've put a lot of time. Obviously, you're a pro yourself, but you put time, you put an enormous amount of time, um, not visible, and I, and it's been nice to see you get some recognition 
by your own accord through Tony on the same journey as well because he's left you with a legacy you can take on and that's what I love about it and you're both you're such yeah. a great combo you and him and your boxing brain I've got to say I love sitting and talking tactics technique and styles because for the yeah. Usyk fight you were just nodding and going <laughs> mm, mm, mm. do you remember on the phone when I was asking you about <laughs> tactics yeah. and you wouldn't give a thing yeah. away and I and you were just going mm, 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 like that and I was having to talk about it all myself but you are a brilliant tactician and I just hope you go on to work with so many more world champions thank you I, I, I would I would love to I would love to um, as, the, the thing is it's always been about you know since the group of fighters I'm working with now the, obviously Anthony's gone it's it's a case of Jordan Gill and, mm. and Anthony Fowler and we'll see what, what happens with the McDonald twins they're, they're all the same sort of people where we're, we're mates we get on they fit into that that group really well um and then the boxing takes care of itself we work you know we've got respect between each other but 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 we're friends there's no there's nothing where i have to get up in the morning oh, i've got to go and work with him today i've got to spend time yeah. i just love being around these fellas do you know what i mean and 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 that's that's the key to it and i think that's the key to success because it's not necessarily that i'm, I'm any good as a coach i just think i can i know how to get the best of what's in the fighters and i think i think that's a i think that's a big key you can be the best coach in the world you know, but if you can't get it's the same as a football manager. You can have great football managers, but if you can't get the best out of them players, then it's no good. They might be the best player in the world, but they're not performing because they can't. You know, the coach can't get it out of them or whatever. But I feel that that's what it is with myself. Um, regardless of what it is, I mean, you look at some of the fighters I've worked with, I've had success with. They, they, on on paper, they're not they're not guys that are destined for for success. You know, but they they get there because I I just think I can get the best out of them and. and you know, get them believing in themselves and, and understanding that there is more to them than what they believe. No doubt about that, mate. Listen, thank you so much for your time being on the show, pal. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, the journeys of Anthony Fowler and uh, joining Gill, who wowed us a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Did. He's he got was, a long way to go, but he looks very talented. He does, he does. Yeah. Listen, yeah. top yeah. man, mate. Thank you very much, pal. Cheers, David. Um, do stick with us, because uh, Anthony Crawler's on the show next. Don't go anywhere. One, two, get down. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis. Now, our next guest uh, was in action last week. It's a good job he got a victory because his, uh, his birthday yesterday will taste even, uh, even sweeter. Anthony Crawler, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you, boys. I'm good. He's okay? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I was 32 treating you. He's good. A lot of cake. Got it. And uh, a few glasses of red wine. But uh, no, all good. I'm... Uh, Coming into the peak. Into the peak <laughs> so, so, but it's a night in tonight, then, yeah. Yes, well, yeah, just uh, a night in to recover. No, I'm not. It's only a few glasses of red wine, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, just just a quiet night in tonight with the family. Talking so, of red wine, though, hmm? those pictures of your urine. Oh, don't, don't after bring, the fight. You can't compare oh. that to red wine. What no, are you doing, no, man? No, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, it's just before we forgot. Yeah, what, it just showed. No, I mean, maybe you can explain it, Anthony. What what happened after is what you had to pass. Do you know? Right. <laughs> so um, I'm normally really. I've got the bad of an old woman, mate. So <laughs> I'm normally pretty quick, you know, passing the urine, and um, it was a little bit longer than normal. But still, I, anyway, I fill, I fill the um, the jar and more. It's the biggest sample we've had. All um, all evening, but it was um, 
it was obviously for anyone who's not seen the picture on the social media, it looked a bit more like fizzy dimso. <laughs> and uh, I think that I think it was a number of fit listen, it, yeah, it was it was mainly down to blood being yeah. in the urine, but it, it cleared up really quick. But also I will have I do have a few beetroot beetroot shots. Ah. Um which which can which will which does add a little bit um change the colour of your urine a little bit, but um the main reason, obviously, was the um, the blood. But everything was good. I was hydrated after the fight. Still, um, like I said, it was a big sample. Won't wait around hours. Within within the hour, less than half an hour or so, it was done. I bet you've never so started an interview worry. before, mate. Talking about your wee, have you? You know what I mean. This is how never, we roll on this show, no, son. I've never have. <laughs> no, but this, but I'll tell you this. The, the, it's it's because the listeners don't know what they he went through. Yeah, go through it. Anthony went through million dollar crawler here. Went through an an absolute war for twelve rounds that was thrilling. Frankly, what I loved about Anthony in this fight was the incredible focus he showed mm. for every second I of every minute that. of every round. Anthony, it was incredible because we'd spoken beforehand and we'd also said together this is going to be. A really yeah, a physical fight. fight yeah, proper because, fight. We knew. Yeah. We didn't wait. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was in great shape. You two looked identical on the scales physically. Um, <laughs> and and you, you knew he was up for it. He was a very proud, very tough man. What I want the listeners to know is yeah. once the fight's over, you guys have to do all these things like pass urine, be tested, you know, and, it, and it's, it's a tough old time, isn't it, till you get out of there? Yeah, it is. It's not like this... Go in, get showers, go off and have a party, you know, um, see friends and family. It's, you know, you go in, you have to fill in your drug test. Sometimes it's blood and urine, it was only urine mm. on um, on Saturday night. But um, it varies and, and, you know, you've got all sorts of paperwork to fill in. But it's a good thing as well because if, if it, especially now in this age with um, the amount of people who are getting caught, you know, yeah. failing drug tests. The more the more they do it for me, the better. Like I saw, like Tony Bell, you got woke up a number of times in mm. camp, and it's it is frustrating. It happened to me a few times, but it, for me, the more the merrier. Do you know what I mean? Mm. The more the merrier. But it's um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes I've I've saw lads. I've honestly saw lads been sat around for hours mm. till the early hours of the morning. They can't leave till they've passed enough urine mm. um, to to make the test. You know, accurate. Regarding um, the the fight itself, as Gareth pointed out, mate, six, the first six rounds with Nip and Tuck, it was tough. It was a proper, mm. it was a proper fight. But I thought your conditioning then allowed your uh, ring IQ to take over in the in the final six rounds, mate, and you uh, you ended up uh, getting the job done. Which now means yes. now means that you move on as uh, manager challenger to a certain uh, Vasil Lomachenko. Do you know no. what that means, though, as well, Anthony? Yeah. That Adam won't yeah. be supporting you. Yes, I will. No, you won't. Yes, You're I a bigger fanboy about Listen, Vasil I do, Lomachenko. I do love Lomachenko. Are, Listen, no. Anthony loves Lomachenko as well. We but all he, love him. No, we don't. Not when Anthony's yeah, fighting I get him. that. I Listen, don't you worry, sunshine. Barry from Barnsley reckons that Anthony's going to get battered. All right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought I'd bring up with you, mate, because at the end of the day, this game's about testing yourself at the very, very highest yeah, level against the best. Of course it is, and um, that's why I said in, in the old Barry from Barnsley clip, that's <laughs> what I want to do. If it was offered a vacant title shot, if it was offered a vacant title shot of whether to fight, and then there's, there's only going to be one choice from me. It's, um, and I said like, in that, listen, the purse is nice, and yeah, it, it might, um, 
you know, it does it does also, you know, make you think about things but that's not that's not the only reason why. Like you say, I um, he's one of the well he's gonna go down as an Hall of Famer as well and yeah, but I don't I don't sort of go in there with the attitude that I'm going in here to share the ring with him and I won't yeah. do it. I go in there believing that I can shot the world and like I said, by from Barnes will have a different opinion. <laughs> but um, that's what that's how Listen, when when you're talking when you're talking to your grandkids, the story is obviously you can the, the first point is it's nice to be able to sit down and then say, Listen, yeah, I shared a ring with that guy but it's even better to turn around and say I shared a ring with him and I beat him. That's the dream, isn't it? That's yeah, the dream to be able to do that. It'd be one of it'd be one of the greatest British wins ever, really, wouldn't mm. it? You know, definitely. Fighter and um, it'd be right up there. So Eddie, it's Eddie like said that it's you weekend. If you would have pulled it off, Eddie said that it's going to go to purse bids. So therefore, and he's he's yeah. pretty confident that it won't be at Man- in Manchester. Sadly. No, it'll be in America. So we'll have to we'll have no, to travel. Yeah. We're all on the bandwagon. All the other crawler fans That's are going to America. Eddie. Nice away day for everyone. <laughs> you know what? Um, yeah, I think whether it be Vegas or New York, whichever one. I mean, I um, oh, like I say, I'm just hopeful it can happen. If if the choice, it, it probably would be New York, just because I've never boxed there. But I mean, I'd be very. Um, I wouldn't turn my nose up at Vegas, and I'm sure the lads would probably prefer Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah. T- um... At the post-fight news conference on on Saturday night, last Saturday night, um, Eddie was saying that it will almost certainly be in America. Um, We're seeing a generation come to the end now. I mean, is there... Is is this... I mean, Eddie mentioned the word payday as well. You won't be looking at that. You'll be looking at the chance to not just earn very well, Anthony, but also, as you say, make a statement about what you've done late in your career. But are there any thoughts... That you know, Loma might be the end, or you, are you still just going to battle for world titles? No, I'm just. That's saying I'm not thinking. I'm putting on like, oh, my next fight's going to be my last fight. Right. Um, I'm not. I'm not thinking like that. But I, um, I believe on Saturday I had, I had a good win against the top fighter. Yeah, you so did. Mm, I agree. I show that I've got plenty left. I show that I've got plenty left, and that's what I was saying a lot before it. I was saying, that's what I was saying before it, and I wanted to beat people, because a lot of people was talking like I was finished, I was done, and if I was finished, or if we had nothing left, I wouldn't have beat Dal Jordan on Saturday. Mm. So, um, I'd like to say, I believe that. I can and that's the, impre- that, that's the impressive thing, because, like you said, you've climbed the mountain on several occasions previously, and been a world champion, you know what I mean? You've been in with some of the best, i.e. Jorge Linares, so therefore the yeah. motivation, I think, for a lot of people was going, does he still want it? I mean, what's left for him to yeah. do? What's left for him to do? And you know what I mean? And at the weekend, you kind of proved that, that, yeah, there is a there is still something between your teeth. You still do want it. And that's what, that's what was satisfying, is like, you know, people who, who come up to me after it saying, I wasn't sure whether... He was on a decline, but now I know that you're not. So mm. I'll be I, honest, I Anthony. I'm in that group as well because you impressed yeah. me so much. Because you know we grow Thank up with you, you as well. I appreciate it. No, we grow up with you as well, and we don't want any of our boxers going on too long as well. And of course, I, yeah. I I feel you know I came up to see you a few months ago in the gym, and we had a very open yeah. chat about you know where you want to go in the future and. Crawler's coffee bars and Crawler's bakeries <laughs> and you know and Crawler's empire. But the thing is, I've got to say this: I watched every second of every round of that fight. I, I was glued to you, and you still got it, baby. You have still yeah, got it. There's no you. question. You know, the Fine body's there as well. That's the thing. Your body's still. He's only got thirty-two, it. man. No, but he's not like me and you. We're no, over the hill, son. We can't. We can't look like that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> No, but after the fight, after the fight, it was a tough fight. 
and I felt like I'd be aching, I'd be in base, but within a day or two, I was good, and I was I was good to go again, but I do know, obviously, rest is important, yeah. and um, mm. like I said, I think you look after yourself, you look after yourself, then like you say now, 32 is, is just a number, but I like it, we said, I listen, I know I'm in a lot of part of my career, but I still believe there's some improving to do, and I believe that I've got plenty left. Roll on, Lomachenko, sunshine. Mm-hmm. Roll it on. We're all aboard. Thanks, boys. I'll, yeah. I'll keep an eye. Listen, I'll I'm keep crawler. an eye I'm on him. I'm crawler all day. Stop it. I, I, no crawling to crawler, yeah? <laughs> uh, no, no. We, 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 we back you full. And do you know what? Take the guy on. Take it to him. You know, He will. He will. Tony Bellew was yeah. on his way to pulling off the unthinkable against Alexander Usyk last Saturday. That's you know? yeah, what it is, isn't it? Great account of himself. Yeah. Great account yeah. of himself. Yeah. And there's no shame whatsoever in that. Yeah. There to be great, mate. Listen, thanks uh, yeah. for your time, man. Take care, mate. Bye, take care. Cheers. Cheers. Happy birthday. Superb, superb. Um, Anthony Crawler. Like, do you know something? You, you you hit it. I think a lot of people that we've spoken to were thinking, "What is left for Anthony Crawler to prove in this game?" But last weekend, there was a, it was like he'd never been a world champion no. last weekend. He was he was climbing that mountain once again, and that's got to be admired. Yeah, and I and I mean about being brutally honest. There, I was watching Anthony to see what he's got left, and I'm not just saying it because I was on air with him. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, I agree. No question. I agree, especially in the second half of that fight. His yeah. tank took over, and he was absolutely outstanding. No question about that. Uh, Anthony Crawler on the show. Um, do stick with us because there's been a lot going on in the world of boxing, haven't there? Lots going on. Floyd's on, he's off, he's on again. Um, we've got a fantastic fight between Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia to talk about. And don't forget, December the 1st, just in case you forgot, the big man, the six foot nine Gypsy King, is hopefully going to shock the world one more time. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. As it says on the tin, it is fight night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth there, Davies, talking all things fight sports on a Saturday night. We're here every single week and we're available on a podcast as well. Uh, you can get that via our website, TalkSport.com, and you can also get it on iTunes. So if you've got a dash off, if you're out and about on a Saturday evening and you miss parts of this show, you don't want to miss any of it, make sure you get us on a podcast so you can catch up, all right? Uh, now then, I'm interested in this bit because we're only two weeks away now, sunshine. Two weeks away. From the biggest heavyweight uh, fight of 2018. It doesn't involve Anthony Joshua, and at the start of the year, you'd have thought I'd be mad if I'd have said that. It is, of course, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. The WBC heavyweight championship is on the line. Gareth, I know that you are uh, very close to uh, Team Fury. Uh, you're actually quite close to uh, Team Wilder as well. You've been over there, you've been uh, sticking microphones in people's faces, having a right old chinwag, getting the law down pre fight. Um, and Tyson, I'll tell you something, he gave you some time, didn't he? He's giving you some absolute gems in your little interview. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I spent the whole day with him uh, in on the first day of his uh, camp in the Hollywood Hills, in this huge mansion he's now got. Um, uh, spent the afternoon, the morning in the wildcard gym with him, back to the house for his, his tuna baked potato lunch. Um <laughs> and you know what? He just looks fantastic. He uh, he's in great shape. We know that now. He, sh- he has shed 130 pounds in 11 months. It's the size of a baby giraffe, by the way. That is a six foot born baby giraffe. <laughs> or or since the fights in America, it's the same weight as Melania, Melania Trump. Um, but some um, pretty much. Um, but but here, you know, here in his in his home. He was 
sometimes contradictory, but always fascinating and in a really, really great frame of mind, Adam. Shall we take a listen? Let's listen. Because it's absolutely gold. This. Yeah. this is Gareth catching up with Tyson Fury over in the States a couple of weeks ago. I didn't want to live anymore. It's no secret, uh, Gareth. It's very uh, well documented. Couldn't hear what you I said. didn't want to live anymore. I was suffering with depression and anxiety. and I was heavily drinking and doing bad things all the time. Stuff that I wasn't accustomed to. Stuff that I'd never done before. And it was almost like I'd let myself down, let my family down, let all my family down. Let everybody I knew or thought of down. But I did, At that time, I thought I was letting everybody down, but I didn't realise it was, it was suffering with mental health which is a big, big uh, thing now that I'm supporting and, and uh, being an ambassador for, and I'm spreading the word on this heavily because it's a silent killer and more needs to be done to help people who's, who's suffering inside rather than physically. I used to have this feeling of being alone and being being left behind and like just a terrible inside feeling. I and like an anxiety? Yes, but I didn't understand anxiety. Up until two years ago, I didn't know what I was going through. And I'd experienced it my whole life. Um, and also, being from a traveller race, if I can say this, if yeah. I don't know if this is true, but because you're expected to be hard men and not show your feelings and yeah. you know and talk about things, maybe, yeah. you put up with things, you just put up with stuff. Yeah, you, you, you put up with things. Do you, you know do, what I mean? And you bottle it away. Yeah, yeah. And I'd done that all my life. Like, I'd had so many, so many things and hurdles that I just mounted up and mounted up and... You know, I probably I probably never spoke about this before to anybody, but you know, we had uh, miscarriages, and Paris she gave birth to a child at six months old, what was dead, and when she had to, I was had to be there, and when she delivered the baby, and we was in one side of the hospital, and my uncle Yui was dying in the other side of the hospital mm. at the same time. That was like 2014, the end of 2014, and I, I was only two weeks away from fighting Derek Chisora for a final eliminator for the world title. And you had two children at the time, so you thought it was going to be your third child. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, had, we had a, a child born that was dead, and then the other side of the hospital, my uncle Yui was in the hospital as well. Um, and then it was just a big... And a week before the fight, he passed away, as we know. And I suppose I didn't really think about it then. I thought, no, I can't think about this now, I'm not... This isn't for me now. I need to put it to the back of my mind because all this is going on. It just seemed to be that my whole career has been stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. I've never had a good run ever because every time there's been pullouts, I've not been active. Nothing has ever went right in my career. Do you think you going up in weight is historically linked to you being more depressed about things and yeah. do you think you're going to have to watch your weight as you go forward 100 percent. look the weight going up in weight is through depression i suppose you, you you're going to know that going forward aren't you because you can regain the belts tyson but you it will it bring you happiness no because business don't bring me happiness you got to through all my troubles, I had to learn stuff. Because if you keep going through life experiences and not learning anything from it, you're a fool. So, what I've learned from all my troubles and all my weight gaining is that I enjoy training. I love to work out, I love to train. And when I don't train for a few days, I start getting depressed. Mm. And when a week, two weeks, 
I'm totally under. So if I train every day, which I love to do anyway, then I feel fantastic. I feel on top of the world every single day. Only because I train and I look in shape. Healthier body, healthier mind for you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I must, mm. I must continue to train for the rest of my life, which I love to do anyway. And why wouldn't anyone want to if they can? Um, and that's about it, really. But as for boxing and all that, I think the older you get, the more things goes on in your life and things change. When I was a, a teenager, my most important thing in the world was being heavyweight champion of the world. And then I got married, met Paris, and then Paris became the most important thing in the world. And then we had Venezuela, and then the kids become more. So I suppose if I was a single man on my own living in LA, driving a sports car every day, I made a million dollars and spent it all on women and clothes, then it would still be about careers and all that. But when you've been married for 10 years, and you've been with that person, and you've got four kids and one on the way, then it's more, I don't think about myself anymore. It's not about me. It's about my kids, it's about uh, our relationship, it's about, there's more things. You get responsibilities in life. And there's more things than going playing around boxing in, in a ring somewhere. You know, this is not a play sport. You can't play boxing. But boxing, it, boxing isn't my priority, if that makes sense. It's my job. So if it was either die or boxing, obviously I'd, I'd pick to, uh, to survive, you know what I mean? Boxing won't come that close. But as a youngster, boxing was everything, if that makes sense. But when you, when you get more responsibilities and more priorities in life, then your job is your job, no matter what your job is. It's your job of work. You gotta make a living to provide. That's why I'm, I'm a provider for my family. And, and happiness will only come through to me through being contented in my surroundings and what I have and what, what, and what I'm doing at that time. Some of the, the greatest heavyweights have been most successful in their 30s. Um, I mean, are you saying that you might not want to go on in boxing for too long? Um, that that it, you might have set yourself some goals and if you achieve those goals, we won't see you in competitively in boxing anymore? No, I... Um Boxing brings me happiness. I'm happy while I'm boxing and fighting. So, whatever happens, you know, happens. I set me got stall out to become the heavyweight champion of the world. Um, I did that. Uh, even the press conference before the fight, when we was in Germany, and I said to Vladimir, I said, I'm not interested in your belts. I'm not interested in your legacy. I'm not interested in going down in history. I'm not interested in defending 26 times. None of that means anything to me. And I still have that same opinion today, mm. you know. I'm more suited as a challenger, not a champion. I don't want to be a champion. Champion is nothing to me. I am the hungry challenger. And when I am a champion, it doesn't make me hungry anymore. I'm not hungry mm. because you're the best. And when you're the best, it's like, is that it? At that time when I was the best, Joshua was a British champion or whatever. Wilder was nowhere to be, he wasn't even on the same planet. Because Klitschko was so in front of everybody else, and when I beat him, it was like, oh, well, he's the best now. And it was, was like, oh, no one really to challenge me, or he was supposed to be the best man, and I beat him quite comfortable. So, when I'm expected to beat somebody, like Sefer or Pianetta, 
or Joe Bloggs, then it's like, all right, whatever. I'll do enough to win. I'm not interested. But when you've got someone like Wilder, who's a real challenge now, he's a challenge that if I make one mistake, it's over. But on to, on to Wilder, though. I mean, you know, you guys, you know, you had a, a, a very lively three-day tour. I mean, people say, but yeah, they, but they respect each other as well. And, um, you know, he wanted to fight you. I believe he wanted to fight you, Tyson, because he wouldn't have wanted to fight you after two or three more fights that you'd had, my view. Yeah. Um, he sees, I, 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 think, I, I think he underrates you, in my view. And you know what I think? When I was on top of my game, these boys wasn't talking. They never had nothing to say, not one of them. But I think they see, he's been off three years, he's been ballooning, he's been drinking, he's been playing around. He's had two easy comeback fights, if we're ever going to beat him, this is the time to do it. Because mm, mm. we let him get rolling again with another four or five fights. Mm, mm. And there's no chance of beating him. And they're trying to do it while, uh, while they've got the best opportunity, which any sensible person would. And the thing is, that's what's what they're banking on. They're banking on me being not, not the same fighter as I was years ago. But I'm not the same. I'm better. <laughs> I'm a lot better now than when I fought Glitchko. I've got more experience. I move better, I'm stronger, I'm more wiser, cleverer. They say when you're a challenger and you become a champion, you improve 40%. That 40% didn't just fall away from me. I've got that now, it's in the bank. Tyson Fury, I'll tell you something. He is, uh, he's ready, to sh- I think he's ready to shock the world and we're gonna discuss this a little bit more because Gareth's obviously looked into the whites of the man's eyes uh, in the States recently, fantastic interview. Uh, that Gareth uh, gave the uh, when over in the States. Big Bear, is that where you were? You were in LA, weren't you? That was in LA. That was the first day of his, his camp in, mm. uh, in LA, in the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. You know, it was 80 minutes of that, Adam. It's, it was filmed and videoed, and it'll all go out on my YouTube channel this week. Top man. Uh, do stick with us. GarethADavis.com. <laughs> GarethADavis.com. No, it will, because... Uh, all right, all right. Never mind plugging your own stuff. We've got to move on, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about a little bit more of him in a minute, okay? <laughs> uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. When it comes to Tyson Fury... I definitely, I, I, you know, I'm all about devastating knockouts. That's what I do. It, it's no pressure on me to doing anything. I say, oh, what I'm gonna do? I know I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. You just gotta be there to witness it. I come here today. All the press have turned up. The world press is here. Showtime, BT Sport, UK and American press. They're here to see the biggest fight of our generation between two undefeated giants. And boy, are you gonna get a fight. You're in for a real treat. Forced me to fight Deontay Wilder. I picked Deontay Wilder because I believe he's an easy touch. You listen to the fight night on Talk Sport. We're two weeks away 
from this monster heavyweight clash between Tyson Fury as he challenges once again for heavyweight honours, this time against Deontay Wilder, who's the WBC champion. And he's going over the, to the States to do it. Uh, now then, you spent a lot of time with um, Tyson Fury. You're spending some time with uh, Deontay Wilder as well this week. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation um, with a, with somebody in the boxing media. I won't, I won't name any names, but I had a conversation uh, last week about this particular fight. And I said, do you know something? It's not even... If this, if this fight happens two and a half years ago, it's not even a debate in my head who would win it. But because of the layoff, because of the amount of weight he's put on and then shifted, there are now new caveats to how this fight might play out. Because over that period of time, Deontay Wilder's been very active and he's been knocking dudes out. And there's nothing like actual being active in the ring to keep that sharpness going. We know that Tyson hasn't been doing that. And the guys that he's fought since he's come back are nowhere near his level. But like I said, two and a half years ago, when he was active and he was the uh, uh, the unified champion, if these two had got it on then, I think Tyson Fury would have played with him. Are you in the same mindset that the only real reason why we're debating this is because of Tyson's layoff? Well, they'd all, they all want to fight him now. Um, two and a half years ago, Deontay Wilder didn't want any part of uh, Tyson Fury. And of course, well, three years ago. Um, it's three years ago, pretty mm. much... Uh, to well, the day, isn't it? Near enough. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, a couple yeah. of weeks away. It's three years. Yeah, two, just under three years since that glorious night in uh, in uh, in Dusseldorf, Germany, when when Tyson Fury shocked the world, earned millions, and uh, created a legacy for himself as the lineal, as he calls it, heavyweight champion of the world. Three of the belts that Anthony Joshua now holds, and of course the Ring Magazine title. Two and a half, three years ago, would. You're right, we weren't even discussing it. I mean, the funny thing is, Deontay Wilder's, of course, knocked out all 39 of his opponents. He's, you know, he's fought Stavern over um, on points yeah, yeah, and yeah. also knocked him out later on, Bermain Stavern, who took the WBC title from. Um, the, 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 this is the big question, is um, how much... And this is what I found being around Tyson Fury, Ed, is he feels very well... Um, he looks very well. Mentally, he's all there. I wonder... He, he's going to go in there and he's going to be fluid. And But I just wonder if he's going to have the eye of the tiger. Um, Wilder is a dangerous and desperate man. The most yeah. dangerous puncher in the heavyweight division. I think Joshua is the best finisher. When he's got someone hurt, it's all over. Um, I think... I think Wilder is the most unorthodox mm. and um, aggressive and probably the biggest hitter mm. and probably the, the with, with the most speed. But Fury is is a pretty majestic boxer. Um, and I really do mean that. And it's, I think I said to you on your show a couple of weeks ago, you know, the, the overnight show, um, Extra Time, that um, when I was in the wild card with um, Fury... He was saying, Gaz, or Russ, or whatever he wants to call me. Uh, he can call me what he wants. Um, you know, did I not look like a gazelle in there today? Mm. On ecstasy. Mm. You know, he's... See, that. See, that's not my concern with Fury. The eye of the tiger is not my concern, because he's talking the talk, he's walking the walk. There's something about Tyson Fury now that I'm excited by. I agree. And he looks well, and... He's happy, that's the yeah, point. That's yeah, that's right. And yeah. he's uh, and his boxing ability is not even in question. 
My he's prob- got to not get hit by Wilder. Of course, That's so I don't think he will. Listen, fight. I don't think he will early on. My problem is, is as this fight goes yeah. the, further he, into he the round, he has not battle hardened. Right. That's the problem. He has yeah. lost. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's lost a human being, mate. In he's said he's lost the equivalent of Melania Trump. There you go. There's a Lomachenko you know? going in the bin. He's what. Yeah, he's exactly. what's happened. More than Lomachenko. So, you for know? example, so, last week let, let's have a look at last week with Belu Usyk. Tony Bellew's been campaigning at heavyweight. He's then been asked to get back down to cruiserweight. Now, I don't care what anybody says, the pace got to him at around about five and six, and he couldn't sustain it. Where he has been able to do it in previous times when he's been at cruiserweight. We've never seen Tony Bellew run out of gas. He ran out of gas, and Usyk took him out. Now, how will that weight issue, dropping all that amount of weight for Tyson Fury, affect him in this fight? I don't think it will for six rounds. I think you. I think after six rounds, you're going to be thinking, he's shocking the world again, this fella. Mm-hmm. Absolutely unbelievable. Can he do it for 12? Will his body will his body let him down? That's the only question. That's where I'm at with it, mate. Well, the other thing, of course, is don't rule out... People say Tyson Fury can't punch. Don't rule out him landing a check hook as Wilder comes in off his feet, throwing his big right hand as he kind of almost does a leaping right hook. Don't, don't be surprised by anything in the heavyweight division. Don't be surprised by anything, you know, when you've got two characters such as these men where I think Wilder will be quite cagey early on. And what, what Wilder does, he backs himself that his power is yeah. going to account for the other Louis man. Luis Ortiz is the perfect example yeah, we I mean, had four or five rounds and it, let's be honest it was dull because he could and, and because Ortiz he could, was winning it, yeah you know. because he couldn't figure him out no. Ortiz were out boxing him out jabbing him and he, he had him all over the place yeah, and then yeah. it really kicked off yeah. and I think we're going to get something pretty similar early doors I, I think it's going to be agree. quite dull to watch no I agree and I think you know you'll you'll have Fury touching him backing off yeah. touching him backing off um, and and probably dominating frustrating the early him. and frustrating yeah, him yeah. tying him up um, you know trying to get in his head Wilder is a very as you, as you say, I'm going to say this. I've, I have interviewed him before on my own, and he's a very strong personality yeah. with a very deep sense of self-belief and destiny. Um, you know, both as an African-American in that strain, in that thought process. But strong as well Christian, as a isn't he, as well? Like, he's he, a big he, believer in God. He, listen, he's, he's a lunatic like the rest of them. You know, they've all got that little screw loose. But there is something at his core. Mm. He feels destined to be something in this life. He feels like a leader for black people. He's told me that, but I'm not saying that. He's told me that. And, and he, he carries that. Um, he, he feels... Um, he, he has a zeal for that, Adam. And I think... You know, he believes as well. He believes it's his destiny. I think that's what's so fascinating about this. Neither man has lost as a heavyweight. Mm. Um, neither man um, believes they're going to they're, they're lose. The only thing I would say about Tyson is he also said to me in that interview, you say, you know, I was looking in the whites of his eyes and I was. Um, he, one of his lines was, haven't I won already that I'm back? Haven't I won already that I'm here? And as he said in the interview there, you know, I don't fear anyone. I've got nothing to fear. I only fear God. They're both hmm. God-fearing in the, in that sense. Um, that's what makes this so fascinating. It's what makes the other side, the Anthony Joshua side, equally fascinating that he's such a huge commercial juggernaut hmm. that the risks entailed with Anthony Joshua, with his commerciality, Hmm. um, the risks of the matchmaking and the risks that Eddie Hearn has built this huge, amazing cash cow up 
um, to be this mythic figure, and yet he's still a neophyte in terms of heavyweight skills and all those things. Whereas I do think the A-side fight is these two men, the best boxer against the most dangerous puncher. Um, And I do think a lot of people will consider... If Tyson Fury defeats Wilder, they will consider him the number one heavyweight in the world. I do think you will see a tectonic shift in the boxing world from it. It's it's amazing how this fight is kind of the catalyst for so many other things. So much. Because if Tyson pulls this off, there will probably be a rematch, which then holds us off April... What happens then with Anthony Joshua? It'll be Dillian White and then Usyk. Yeah. You know, so it, it does. It, the, the, the chess game is... that Tyson Fury coming back into the picture at the beginning of this year and getting his licence back and and moving quickly, if you like, not having eight fights over 18 months. No, he's here. Moving quickly is... It, you've, got to, you've got to congratulate Tyson for scattering the belts to the winds, beating Vladimir Klitschko and kind of getting rid of that iron clasp stronghold that the Eastern Europeans, the Ukrainians had over the heavyweight mm. division and the reason why Deontay Wilder we'll speak about it, I'm sure why Deontay Wilder isn't so popular in America mm. or not so well known you've got to thank Tyson Fury for that and you've got to thank him for coming back at this perfect time just to you know create the tinder around it's right in the middle of Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder it's absolutely brilliant tinder is in um, kindling for uh, for yeah, a fire exactly. rather than tinder is in swiping right swiping left just in case you're a little bit confused by that for our what, younger what, listeners what at in it what at do stick with us it's fight night on TalkSport with me Adam Catterall and Gareth Air Davis there's loads to talk about with this fight I'm going to continue to do so next as we uh, we start to pick we, we start to pick into uh, Camp Wilder and whether uh, he has the attributes to rule supreme over this heavyweight division Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Power and 10 men in that ring on the night can't beat Tyson Fury. 
I'm going to make you yourself. The antics that you're talking about, it's, it's not going to work against me. I'm not Klitschko. This is not Klitschko. Listen, I know you know this is, Klitschko. this is Deontay Wilder. This is Deontay Wilder. This is Deontay Wilder. All, all that calling, you know, it, it's only going to go so far because when I get you in the you ring. You ain't ready. When I get you in the ring and that bell say, D. You're useless. And if I can't beat you, I'll kiss you too. You ever seen a tree fall over timber? That's gonna be your body. That's gonna be your body. I'll leave the people Sunday to say a prayer. You're only banking on me having two fights in three years. Or else you wouldn't took the fight. That's the only reason you took this fight, because you think I'm done. No, no, I ain't done, pal. The only thing I don't think you're done. I don't want you to be done. I don't get no gratification of you being done. I want you when you when you feel like you mentally can beat me. I I've already like been you, here. You've already that's lost. That's what I fear. Never. You've already lost. Never. I can tell you. You can tell lost. by the demeanor. You can tell about the. I can the, tell the, by the, the posture. of myself. You've lost yourself. already. You're doing a hell of a lot of talking, Mister. Can well, we have a little spa now? You're gonna be like July that. fire. You can feel it in your. Let's have a little tickle. Come on. Let me feel this power on hey. the Alabama slam. Hey. Come on. Get up. Are you serious? Let's you have ready? a little body spa. Come on. I want to feel it. Hey, let's do it. Thank you, Ready? I'm always. I'm ready when you are. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Go. Come on, then. Let's go. Frank. I want to hear, I want to feel the power. I'm going to show you the power. I want to feel the power. I'm going to show you the power. You're going to feel the power. You're not going to feel no power. I'm going to Come on. I'm going to show you the power. Come on. I'm going to show you. The white push is harder than that, you little I'm going to show you the Come on. If you're not excited yet, hopefully that wets the old taste buds. Let's have a tickle, Gareth. Let's have a little tickle. Come on, you big dosser. Come on, get up now and have a little body spa with me. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Love it. Come on. Listen, uh, what is brilliant, Adam, is the self-belief of these two men. That's what's fantastic. Deontay mm. Wilder, he's knocked out all 39 opponents. Tyson Fury, yeah, he's been downed once or a couple of times on people. He's never really been in trouble in a fight. And, you know... I th- I really but I really hear I don't know if you agree with this I really hear Deontay Wilder genuinely respects Tyson Fury and what he's achieved in his boxing yeah, ability. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, it's man can. to man. You know, right on Wilder. Let's talk Wilder, okay. right? Because we, we we could go crazy on. I'm, I'm oh. still buzzing from that. <laughs> well done, Matt, our producer, for yes. putting that together. Well, well done, Matt, for this. Check this out, right, Matt. Yeah. Matt is actually. I'm going to rip this apart. I'm going to. No, I am going to rip these points apart. Well, he's, he's come young up with Matt something. is having his beard ripped off him right he's now. He's come up with something which is actually yeah. quite good for once. Well, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, check this out, right? All right, go on then. Let's so he want he basically wants us to discuss as to why Deontay Wilder, who's the WBC champion of the world, forty fights, mm-hmm. thirty nine wins via knockout. Like you say, every opponent's gone over um, five points. Is it? He's he's put five points together as to can, why can, Deontay Wilder is okay. not the global superstar that right. he should be with okay. that type of record, right. being the WBC champion of the world. Obviously, we've got Joshua. Everybody knows who Joshua is, especially here in the UK. Regarding Deontay Wilder, even in his own country, you walk down the streets of New York City, the streets of Alabama, and not necessarily every man and his dog knows who the heavyweight champion of the world is. Now, check this out, right? Matt's put this work together, and I'm a little bit, woof, this, this, lad's, this lad knows what he's doing. So, first of all, his first point is regarding his uh, unrefined technique. He is a very unorthodox fighter, isn't it? People Win, lose, will... or draw as, as, as point number one, that's a lose. Is it? Yeah. Well, if you look at the way that matter. he fights... Yeah, oh, yeah all right, matter. all right. But if, if you look at his actual technique, people can then pick holes in that. They look at the way that he fights and they pick holes in it because he's very windmilly rather than a, a traditional stand-up boxer. If, if, if Matt, our producer, 
had said in that number one, uh, his his style, yeah, his um, his unrefined technique and lack of opponents mainly through his career. Well, I, I, well hang on a minute. If you look at it, number five is lack of opponents. Def- he's defi- no, he needs a definitive yeah. victory. Yes, no, he's he, done it. Don't knock no, him. He's th- done no, it. No, he's had a definitive victory. Uh, the definitive victory. We're going to number five straight away. Then is that, that that's that's a win. Don't worry about that. That's a win. Uh, all right, that's a win. Was well, the he's, first he's one in my un- ears now? Unri- he's buzzing around my ears. Unrefined technique. Most uh, of his career. Well, I don't think that matters. Okay. Because um, heavyweight boxing is about knockouts. It's about thrilling fights. That that's what it is about. Yes, it's a good point that he does have an unrefined. Um, uh, kind of style. I mean, in fact, when he knocked out Luis Ortiz, I remember during the interview, I was there that night in uh, in Brooklyn, uh, in 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 New York. When he saw on the big screen his uppercut that stopped Luis Ortiz, he kind of stopped to admire it because he didn't realise he was he'd done it at the time. It was just it was just an instinctive. Mm. Another way of putting what Matt's put in that opening point is he's a very instinctive fighter. Mm. He. He has got a brawling technique, but I mean, I've talked to David Hay about sparring many, many rounds with Deontay Wilder, and David says he's very, very effective at coming forwards, and he's and it doesn't you can't you almost can't back off him. You've got to, the way David put it to me was you've got to meet him in the middle, land on him, and and teach him his manners again, and then he and then he goes back a little bit and retreats and resets as fighters always do and boxers do. Um, I don't think. You see, you could be the purest boxer in the world, but you may not have a big following. Mm. Um, I think there's a whole enigma. I think all these... It's very enigmatic, and it's, 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 it's bizarre as to why he isn't a big champion. But Matt's five points here, when we get through all of them, he has created the picture as to why. Mm. Uh, the point, point number two... Um his opponent's anti-doping violations. Now, I'm going to guess what Matt means by this, because there was a fight... Translate between... it for him, Well, Adam. I, well I'm going to try my best, mate, right? Because this is all about Deontay Wilder, why he's not a, a, a superstar. And this might actually, number two, might lead into number five with him having mm. lack of that defining victory. Yeah. Deontay Wilder was scheduled to go to Russia to take on Povetkin. Povetkin exactly. obviously fa- uh, failed the test, uh, and therefore that fight ended up falling off. Now, if that fight would have gone ahead... Mm-hmm. Therefore, there's that Rocky Balboa narrative, isn't there, really, of when Balboa went over and fought Drago in his own backyard. There's that, that you could really run alongside the Deontay Wilder, go into Povetkin's backyard. If he knocked out Povetkin in his own backyard, then you've all of a sudden, one, got a definitive story, and people have started to talk about him on a worldwide level rather than just in the back streets of America. Yeah, and, and also, of course, then you can have the comparisons with... Um, Vladimir Klitschko yeah. beating um, uh, um, Povetkin, Povetkin yeah. in, in, in Russia and yeah. I think you know if Wilder had gone over then he'd knocked him out in five rounds and... but that's not his fault though is it the no, geese has I been agree. on the gear I, I agree with that. That, that that's that's one of the defining fight um, points for me as well I mean he 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 did get um, kind of halted in his career. There's no question about it. He had momentum two years ago. What's this? The seventh or eighth defense of his WBC mm. crown. So, and and it's kind of he's slipped under the radar. But the very name we mentioned just there is um, Vladimir Klitschko and America. Adam um, lost interest in the heavyweight division after 2003, really, yep. mm. because 
Vladimir dominated from 2005 onwards. And a lot of his fights were in Germany. I went to some of his fights in New York. Um, I can't remember who I went to now, but Calvin Brock and others. Mm. Um, uh, Sergei Bragamov. Um, you know, th- there were there were fights over there. He stunk the place out. They tried to promote Klitschko in America. And you know what? America went and the promoters, Oscar De La Hoya, Bob Arum, all of them, Dong and they all went, you know what? We're not interested in Klitschko. There you go. And off he went to Germany. Well, that, that is, was the end of it. Well, Matt's, you know? Matt's part, uh, point number four on this list is that he is poorly promoted. And I was going to bring you on to that because I think it is that the American promoters in particular over the last 10 years lost interest in this particular division. Floyd was mopping up at welterweight. There was a couple of other lads, Mexican fighters that they were getting heavily into through Oscar Del Hoyo and Golden Boy. But in the heavyweight division, they, they lost interest because Klitschko stank the gaff out so much. They thought, well, who've we got here? Well, there's nobody there at this moment in time, so they left the division alone. So Deontay's fought... Yeah, he's had 40 fights, and he's knocked out 39 dudes. But the majority of that has been not on mainstream, massive pay-per-view, box office-type nights. So therefore, nobody, he's gone right under the radar, this Ren. Yeah, but there's the, you look at you look at the names on his record. I mean, does everyone remember he beat Audley Harrison over here in 2013? People have forgotten They've about forgotten that. They've forgotten about that. So thereafter, Adam, you know... Do you know any of these guys? All right, he beats um, Sirhai Lyakovic, um, Nikolai Furtha, Malik Scott is a people know because yeah. he's everyone's sparring partner yes, these days. Yes, he is. Yeah, Jason, yeah. Jason Gavin. Then he goes on the run. But And the, these are the world title fights now, okay? Bermain Stavern, yeah. Eric Molina, Johan de Halpas, Arthur Spilker, Chris Ariola, Gerard Washington, Gerald Washington, until you get to Luis Ortiz. The man in the street in America barely knows Luis Ortiz, let alone all those other ones. Yeah, yeah. You ask anyone who's not a boxing fan in the UK, and maybe people who even are boxing fans, they won't be able to tell you who half of those, or even maybe two of those people I've just mentioned. Mm. Everyone will know Audley Harrison, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously he won the Olympic gold in Sydney and he had a run at the world title. He fought David Hay for the world title in that kind of epic mismatch as it turned mm. out to be. A terrible event up in Manchester. So there's that aspect to Deontay Wilder where, yes, you could say he hasn't been greatly promoted. We can go back to your point just now about the fact he hasn't had five or six concerted opponents who enable the stack to build um there's been no one this is it Mm. this is the fight with tyson fury that he suddenly makes his name Mm. in america i think he's well known in alabama um i so i think matt's made all the right points i know there's one more but it's it's a confluence of all these issues but this is the moment. Hmm. See, the moment that Anthony Joshua goes to America, the moment that Tyson Fury goes to America, heavyweight boxing becomes interesting over there because they've got a genuine contender. Hmm. Forget about all the other guys who've been come from America challenging um, Anthony Joshua. They're all on a different level. They're all on a different tier. These are the three. It's these three, I think, who inhabit a shelf together for me. Hmm. Styles, unbeaten, um, and all have their own marketing values, you know? Mm. So I think it's a fact... I think I'd put all 
those factors in there. No, it does. I mean, um, it, it all it all is a melting pot, isn't it? And and what and the final point in there, I he, mean, isn't, Matt, he isn't polarizing. I think he is. Wow, he's so polarizing. Well, I think he is, but, but it, in a different all, way. Yeah, but yeah. it all comes down to everything that Matt's put on this list. Uh, our producer is that maybe the platform hasn't been there for him on a mainstream level in order for him to polarise, do you know? I mean, we know him because we follow him and we, we're in at the grassroots level of this. But the, the average guy on the street hasn't seen enough Deontay Wilder to care enough about what he's saying. And I think he is polarising. And I think after this fight, or definitely in the build-up to this fight, and then after this fight, if he comes through it, we're going to know a lot more about him and therefore there will be people on the... Uh, on either side of the fence. I don't think he... He's not vanilla, is he? You're not going to sit there and go, oh, he's all right. You're either in him, loving him, or you're hating him. Well, the thing is, look, he's had a 10-year career. He's had 40 fights. He's... I think it's seventh or eighth... I think it's the eighth defence of the title, or seventh defence of the title, uh, the WBC title. In 40 fights, he's only boxed 123 rounds, yeah? Mm. Um... He didn't have a really long amateur career. No. Went to the Olympics without much experience. Obviously won the bronze medal. Um, but overall, he is quite a polarising character. He is, he's, he's got loads of interesting facets to him. I just don't think at the moment he's had that moment that the American mainstream sports yeah, media ignites around him. I'm telling you for a fact, and I've been over there. You know how often I'm over in America, as you say, on holiday. Um, America has been enjoying Tyson Fury. And the ears of all the executives, all the producers, all the editors, from the guys, the wider sports world, are going, oh, this is interesting. It's happening. I've seen it happening over the last couple of months. The media tour, yeah, there was... It was, I think... Some people reacted and thought it was tasteless, some of the media tour. But believe me, in fight week, um, it is going to be very, very interesting. It'll be big. I think it would have been bigger if it was in Las Vegas, frankly. Mm. Yeah, I um, agree. But it will be a very big event. And if Deontay Wilder makes a big statement in this fight, or it's one of the classics, um, it will be very big. And then when Joshua comes over, it'll get even bigger. And so this is a very, very big time for the heavyweight division in America again right now. Can't wait. Two weeks away. Um, lots still to talk about on fight night. Uh, you're listening to TalkSport. Don't go anywhere. We're doing the Hall of Fame next. Uh, now then, every single week on Fight Night, we stick something connected to Fight Sports into our Hall of Fame. This one is slightly different. Inspired by a boxing event back in 1966, it's what came off the back of that event that I want to talk about right now. I am sure as boxing fans, maybe collectors of memorabilia, we have certain little bits and bats around our house. Uh, that take pride and place on our walls or on our mantelpieces, whether you're a collector of uh, tickets, uh, press passes, uh, programmes from the events, fight posters, or whether it just be iconic photographs. That is where I am at today. Iconic photography from fight sports uh, is what I am sticking in to the Hall of Fame. And the reason for this is because 
in 19, this week in 1966, a certain Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, took on uh, Cleveland Williams to return his heavyweight championship of the world. And you will remember this mainly for a photograph. An aerial picture where uh, Cassius Clay has given uh, the main man, uh, Cleveland Williams, a right hiding. In the third round, he is sprawled out on his back uh, in the starfish position. And uh, obviously, Muhammad Ali is walking away from uh, that particular knockout, or knockdown, should I say, uh, in, the, in the fight. But the, the photograph off the back of it, where it's an aerial view of the ring, you can see all the press ringside, and you can just see Cleveland Williams sprawled out starfish in the ring is absolutely iconic. I stuck it on my Instagram this week, and it's still getting likes and retweets and various things like that. About five days on, it's, it's clogging my feed up. I wish I had put it up there. Anyway, it's a sensational picture. And we've been blessed down the years, haven't we, with some fantastic photographers, people who capture the moments of uh, of this fine sport absolutely perfectly and that without any shadow of doubt I mean we've got some crackers mainly of Ali as he stood over many of a uh, opponent down the years when obviously against Sonny Liston when he was roped up and against uh, Mr Frazier all those types of things but this one for me is the one that stands out the one with Cleveland Williams that aerial view is something very special yeah it's brilliant um you know I think there was an era um but black and white photographs always lended themselves brilliantly to that kind of era in the 60s, you know, when, mm. when black was becoming very cool in America and there were the struggles going on. Of course, you mentioned Cleveland. He was shot by a policeman in yeah, 1965, was. wasn't he? And in his he car. Lost, he lost about a foot of his pounds. intestine, Yeah, he? he lost 60 pounds. He, I, think there are, I think it's documented that he, he, I think he was had loads of operations for about seven months. A bullet, I think, went through his intestine, out yeah. through his hip. Yes, have it taken and, out. Yeah, Sorry if right. you're eating your uh, dinner yeah, <laughs> whilst yeah. you're listening to the but show. Was, no, no, this is an adult show. Come on. It was blood, gore, guts. That's well. it. But no, but it's Man's fine. We're out his intestines. Exactly. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, God, he, he, I think he, if that was 65, he, he boxed on till 72 so mm. uh, but he, I think he, he he ended up kind of getting fit again lost about 60 pounds in weight through the operations half of what Tyson Fury that's <laughs> a lot of weight yeah, yeah. but he, he you know he, I think that it's documented that he, he was got fit again um, lifting hay bales and stuff And um, but I do think I've got a black and white picture of Muhammad Ali in my cloakroom you know my toilet in the front of the house where Ali is cradling Layla Ali as a small baby um, which was given to me one of, by one of his officials photographers um, we had an exhibition here a few years ago and and I think there's just something about you know today as you say you know you put it on Instagram and people really take a delight in that yeah. in the tone yeah. of those photographs from that from that era yeah, yeah, yeah. you know people looked very cool in the 60s I think I think it's transcended as well it's a great the, a decade no absolutely it was, a, it was the best decade but I think it's also continuing now in the uh in the modern world, for example, obviously at the start of this show, we were talking about Bellew Usyk, yeah? And there's a, that iconic photo of Tony Bellew when he won his world title at Goodison Park, when he's on his knees and Dave Corwell's just jumped in the ring and he's mid-air as he's jumping through the ring. And you, and that picture will stand the test of time because we were there that night. We, we felt the feelings of that night and those feelings will never go away. And when we're old and led in our bed and re- reminiscing of our careers, my friend, probably in about five years' time, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but when we're looking back and we see that picture, it takes you to that moment. And I'm sure there are people that were there that night when Ali did what he did against Cleveland Williams, see that picture and it brings back all the emotions straight away. It's, it's fantastic what photography can do. 
No, absolutely, and and I hope it's going to be the same when we're out in Los Angeles for for Deontay Wilder against uh, Tyson Fury. You know that you've had moments that right now like that with people like Conor McGregor, the the, the UFC star. Um, you, you, it's happening all the time. The Anthony Joshua nights at Wembley. You know we're working them, aren't we? They're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're moments. There's a great photo of us working in the rain there, for yeah. example. And and you know I'm not saying that that's an iconic, but no, for, no, us, for us it is. It is yeah. part of our, you know, we're so everyone's everyone's recording history now, and I think at the time when when we look back on those ones, it wasn't, you know, it, we, we didn't have so much citizen journalism, if I can call it that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. or citizen publishing. So I think. The very special pictures now are the ones that you remember yourself, whereas those ones, you know, like Harley pushing the Beatles and, you know, apparently he asked who they were afterwards, that great photograph mm. when he was the fifth Beatle pushing them over. You know, um, you know, it's it, but I do think there's something about um, boxing, there's something about um, at ringside, there's something about a fight occasion that always draws um, great names, big stars... Um, and 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 the glitz and glamour of a you know, yeah, it's just it's such an unusual sport, and you know because we work very close to the ring very often, and I say this every now and again on our shows, if you are a real sports fan and really want to feel atmosphere pay one time for one of these big fights and try and get as close to ringside as you can because all the energy from a big arena comes down towards you mm. towards these brilliant fighters who put their lives on the line very near where we're just working commentating writing talking about it trying to divulge what's going on there's an energy there isn't there mm. and, it, and it is iconic and that's why the photos are and, so special and as well as that being that close and and again you do see this through photography you do see the whites of the eyes of the warrior you know, you see, you, you see what's going on in their head. You see whether there be anguish, whether there be pain, whether there be doubt, whether there be ultra confidence, whatever it may be. You see these things when you are up close. And there's, and again, great photography. And we, we've got many in the modern world as well that are doing this on a day by day basis that are capturing these moments. Re they tell a story without any words. That picture just paints a thousand words, doesn't it? It does. Uh, you know, as does Ali standing over. Um, George Foreman in yeah. Zaire when when Foreman's falling and Ali takes his pose. But he's and, telling and him to get up, isn't he, in that yeah, particular moment? You know, it's there's there's there are there are moments in time that that we will look back and we'll see the photographs. I mean, I, I've got a few with with Manny Pacquiao, I think, and with Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, um, and and folk like that. Maybe Joe Calzaghe, Ricky Hatton, Nazim Hamad. Um, even Amir Khan, there have been some big moments mm. where, you know, certainly Anthony Joshua was mentioned, but kind of over in America and being on tour with th these guys, you know, it, it, you, you, do you find those nights where you look back at a picture and you go, oh, God, I remember being right there. Yeah. And I remember what I was feeling at that moment or, you know, what the sensations were or where you went afterwards and you were all chatting about it. Or, yeah. They're special. It, we, we, you know, it's a great privilege to be involved in this sport. Because, um, you know, you can go to big football games and, it, you know, it's 22 with the reserves, more players, obviously. And, and you know, it, it's just not the same as two um, fighting folk going mano a mano. Mm. Um, do stick with us because there's a lot coming up uh, on the show. We're going to be speaking to Josh Warrington as well. 
uh, about his uh, upcoming film. We've both seen it. By the way, it is absolutely outstanding. We'll be speaking to him about fighting for a city and his Listen upcoming to you, fight. Film with... critic, yeah. mate. It absolutely was absolutely outstanding. How many stars? I give it five. No, I, come on. Mate, I was locked in. Come on. His dad. His no, dad I, deserves an I, Oscar. I, I, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, no. Sean O'Hagan, Josh Warrington's father. And I, I, I want to know why he's Sean O'Hagan and he's Josh Warrington. Maybe we can ask today. But mm. um, no, that guy, Sean O'Hagan, Adam, is an absolute diamond. Oscar winning. Oscar winning son. I'm, well, I'm well, right. we'll talk about this in a minute. We'll talk about it in a minute. Do stick with us. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. Hey, listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're into the final hour of the show. If you've only just joined us, it is available as a podcast. You're missing out. We've had Anthony Crawler, Dave Cowell on the show. Uh, lots of chat about Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, which we are two weeks away from. We've still got to speak to Josh Warrington, so do stick around uh, for that. Uh, now, as well as the fighters, we do speak to promoters and people that actually sanction a lot of these fights. And probably one of the most famous people who's in charge of one of the most famous governing bodies is uh, Maurizio Sullivan, uh, the main man at the WBC. I know that he's been in the UK recently and you've been sticking your microphone in his face, haven't you? Yeah, it's fascinating. Maurizio um, had a, a long chat to um, about the changes that the World Boxing Council wants to make. Obviously, he's the son of the great Jose Suleiman, who started the WBC four decades ago. And... Um, um, and Mauricio is very concerned about weight cuts for fighters. The WBC, if, if if no one knows, or you may know or not add, but they were the people who first campaigned to have weigh-ins 24 hours mm. uh, before the fights on the Friday, uh, if they were taking place on a Saturday. And they were the guys that campaigned to move championship fights from 15 rounds to 12 rounds because mm-hmm. they believed their research showed that it was in those extra rounds that people were getting too damaged and too hurt. So the new move they've got is to weigh people they're going to create a weighing uh, system um, where fighters are not allowed to go overweight beyond a certain limit, depending on what division they're in, regardless of what time it is, whether they're out of camp, in camp. Um, but I've got a fight coming up. I, it's fascinating stuff. And Mauricio was in the UK this week talking about it, and this is what he told me when I sat down with him. Without safety, without taking care of our fighters, boxing is nothing. We need to understand, with, and we've gone a long way from what it was to what it is today. These warriors of the ring need uh, someone to put guidelines, because a fighter would fight 50 rounds. He would fight for days if he needed to do that. So I'm very proud of the WBC. I'm very proud of there's so many people around the world that dedicate their time and effort to try to find ways of making boxing better and safer. And have you come up with new things that you're now about to tell people that you want them to look into? Yes. uh, This year, 2019, will be dedicated to weight management. We are introducing a protocol because it is known that weight has been the problem and the biggest enemy of boxing forever. But now we're going to dedicate a lot of time and effort and resources to educate the fighters and the trainers. We're gonna do surprise weigh-ins. Okay. When you don't have a fight schedule. Almost like a random weight test, yeah? Like a random weight test. Yeah. Because many fighters, when they don't have a fight schedule, they blow up. And then they go to the gym 
and they train only to make weight, not to fight. That's very dangerous. A fighter must not walk around with more than 20% of their fighting division. What, regardless of the weight class? Regardless Even heavyweights? Even heavyweights, because... So Tyson Fury would have been struggling recently. I mean, if you see a picture from a year ago... He was nine stone, he's lost nine stone. A complete body. I went to see him in Los Angeles the week before last. 130 pounds he's lost in 11 months. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And that that takes a toll in your body. Yeah. Mid-term, long-term, but uh, your kidneys, your liver, your heart. Anyway, we're going to do... We do the 30-day weigh-in and the 7-day weigh-in. We're implementing a 40-day weigh-in, mandatory. Yeah. To cut down because... And you've got to be within 20% at that point, no? No. You've got to be 10% or... 30, 30 days, 10%. Yeah, 30 days, yeah. 14 days, 5%. Yeah, yeah. 7 days, 3%. Cool. And also, we are weighing in father, fighters as soon as I, they get to the arena. We're doing a weigh-in to gather data. Fighters should not weigh more than 10% when they go into the ring from what they weigh in and the official weigh-in. This is all education. This is all a process to get to the uh, best scenario for each individual fighter. And, and has this come about through medical research that's, that's, that's showing from your scientists that a lot of the... I know that my friend and colleague from Tilt Sports, Glenn McCrory, spoke about hydration. I'm backing his campaign at the moment. He's convinced, as I think many other old boxers are, that they knew they would lose a fight because of their weight cuts at times, because they were actually going crazy, actually crazy before a fight, because the weight cut was affecting their brain and their cells. That is so absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. That's why the WBC changed the weigh-in to one day before. Before it was the day of the fight, and so many fighters suffered from that mental state of dehydration and the stress of not knowing if you're going to make the weight the next day. Mm -hmm. Now fighters at least can rest, have a nice decent sleep, have two or three meals. But whatever you put in your body after the official weigh-in is very important. You don't go out and have a full pizza and you don't go out and have a four steaks. You got to do it uh, professionally. So all this weight management, of course, it is medically uh, backed and we're just finding out things on how to do. Also, there are some illegal procedures to cut weight and that is very dangerous. So we are addressing all these matters. Do, do you think that it's going to radically change the way that fighters' training camps are going to take place now then? And do you hope the other sanctioning bodies follow suit and copy you as well? Yes, uh, the idea is to, to teach... Make this universal. Yeah. Make it universal and teach fighters and trainers. And of course, other sanctioned organizations, other federations, boxing commissions, they're all invited. The more that do it, the better. That way we can reach more places. And wait, it's going to be different a year from now. WBC uh, President uh, Maurizio Sullivan talking to Gareth. Uh, throughout the course of the week. I'm fascinated by that because 
Something definitely does need to be done. As you mentioned in that conversation there, Glenn McCrory, one of our colleagues here, speaks quite a lot on rehydration and weight cutting issues. Uh, there's been lots of talk about that in the UFC as well as in, in boxing uh, with guys absolutely killing themselves, literally killing themselves to get down in weight in order to give themselves an advantage when it comes to fight night. And I'm glad that um, the WBC are taking these major steps, whether it be pre-fight, that's one thing, of course it is, but also post weighing too, to make sure that these guys are not ballooning up to ridiculous sizes and then putting their opponent uh, in jeopardy too, to make sure that they do remain within 10% of their alleged fighting weight. Yeah, well, I mean, as you, you mentioned Glenn McCrory there, you know, obviously the former IBF cruiserweight uh, champion of the world. Um, you know, Glenn was on the show with us a few months back, wasn't he, saying, we were talking about hydration that night, and he obviously he's, he's, he's campaigning with his... Um, with his what? What was it again? It was Totem Sport. To, no, it was, it was Krill or something, isn't it? You got, plankton. You got suck Krill or something. But yeah, yeah. um, yeah, with Plankton, yeah. Um, and and a serious point. He told us that night, didn't he? I mean, very emotional terms. Years and years later, in very emotional tones, rather, Adam, that when he went in to defend his world title, he knew he was going to lose, and he he was so um, kind of. Out of out of his own body, it was an out of body experience for him because he was so weight drained. He was so um, he was in such a state, mm. and this is the big one one of the biggest issues in boxing. They have medicals, they have MRIs, they have CAT scans, they are checked every year. Things are really regulated now. You know there are always going to be deaths in this sport because you are it's an inherently risk laden sport. You know, people are being punched in the head where our most sensitive organ, the brain, resides, and things will happen. But the, the part of the ongoing, the new research, the new medical data, and this is why I'm so happy that they're weighing every boxer when they arrive at a dressing room. Mm. Um, after the weigh-in, on the night of the fight, not checking, of course, they're not going 10% over, which is the limit for any weight at the weigh-in. They can't go 10% over. That they are checking what the person's weighing regardless. They're creating a database. And I think it's really healthy um, for older boxers, for, for, for boxers who get out of shape. Um, it'll it'll pro- professionalize the sport a bit more. It'll make more boxers live like athletes, mm. which will make their careers shorter rather than longer, perhaps. And all these things, and, hopefully... And hopefully they fight at the right weight because a lot exactly. of guys, they try to fight at a lower weight in order to give themselves fight night advantage where it might not necessarily be the healthiest thing for them to do. Yeah, exactly. And we know what happens with the body. As you move from your early 20s into your late 20s into your early 30s in all the divisions, perhaps, you know, depending on the build of someone, but generally kind of below, I'd say, kind of lightweight, Mm. people tend to get thicker set, get bigger. You know, you see the likes of Ricky Burns, feather, super Mm -hmm, feather, mm -hmm. lightweight, try light welterweight, going back down to lightweight. um, That you, you... you, and he was terrific the other night, by the way. We haven't mentioned him. Tommy Coyle against Tommy Coyle. What a brilliant finish. Ricky Burns has still got something left, by the mm. way. But it's people like him, you know, that we know what weight division he should be in. And he's been very kind of perspicacious about that. And he's lived well. He doesn't live meticulous about the way he does it. He, 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 he lives well. And I think that's what the WBC, who I think of, you know, the green belt, they've always led the way mm. in, in this respect. Jose Sulaiman, his father, was 
hated by as many people as loved him. You know, he was a very controversial figure in lots of ways. Innovators always are. They, they are, exactly. You know, and, um, you know, people, S- Steve Jobs died, what was it, seven, eight years ago, and he was a brilliant innovator, of course, I- in the digital market. But, you know, people said he was a kind of cruel, yeah, ruthless yeah. character. But uh, Jose was the same, you know. I remember having having spats with journalists at ringside before, having rows of people, you know, and, and he was combative. But he, I think, deep down, loved the sport. And Mauricio, in fact, I called him Jose the other day at the beginning of that interview. <laughs> and I, I'm so sorry, I don't know why I called you Jose then. He said, I don't mind. I said, I suppose you're 50% of him. He said, no, I, th- I've, I felt warm when you called me my dad's name. He's a great guy, Mauricio, and he's a great tequila drinker as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which always washes well, we got With me, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Uh, do stick with us. Coming up next, um, a conversation that I had with Josh Warrington. He's got a movie coming out, um, Fighting for a City. It's absolutely fantastic. He's also got a fight coming up on December 22nd against Carl Frampton, defending his... Uh, his uh, world championship in Manchester that night, just before Christmas, should be epic. I caught up with the boy from Leeds a little earlier on. You can hear it next. I've always said I wanted to put Leeds on the map. You've captured the imagination of the Leeds people. But I think in boxing terms, you've always had a bit of a raw deal. He lacks mad punching power. Just four knockout victories on his card. The fans here want a world title shot. Can you deliver that? I think the world title shot should be here in Leeds. And if Lee Selby wants to fight, we can do that here. No problem at all. For the last three years, he's, he's been mentioning my name. Lee Selby this, Lee Selby that. He's obsessed with me. The Leeds fans are impatient people. They want their fighters to fight for a world title next. It ain't even sport anymore, it's business. You come up with some lame excuse that he's getting married, he's just calling them news fans. He won't let his family down, he won't let his missus down. Oh, he's stood by him, freaking thing. That's why we have them to look after them. After years of build-up, it's finally on. One of the fights of the year. I've seen the film, and listening to that, I still get chills listening to it. Fantastic. It's taken from Fighting for a City. It's Josh Warrington's new film, which is available on DVD and digital download uh, on November the 26th. There was a screening at Leeds Town Hall uh, November the 1st, if I'm not mistaken, and I was sent it this week to have a little bit of a nosy, knowing full well that Josh would be on the show, and he's weird right now. Josh, welcome. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. I'm still listening to that little bit. <laughs> many, many times already. I've just got up and started shadowboxing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Uh, listen, I watched this um, earlier on this week, right? Now, I've seen yeah. many, many boxing documentaries, many, many boxing films, real life stories, whether they're f- fictional or whatever. And yeah. I, I didn't really know what to expect with this. And when I, the moment it starts, one, it's brilliantly shot. And then just yeah. the narrative, the story, mate, is absolutely. Bang on. And I've got to take my hat off to you and obviously your dad and everybody that was involved with it for just how transparent and honest it is. Because a lot of stuff like this, sometimes you, you, you paint a picture of what you want to paint, not the real true honesty. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot going on in your life behind the scenes that you might not necessarily want to put out there. Mate, it was absolutely bang on and I've got to commend you for that. No, no, thank you very much. And um, and yeah, I think that's what the, was always the, the thing that we were like 
I don't know how, how to explain really. Just to be unsure about going out, obviously it, it's raw, isn't it? It shows yeah. a lot. I mean, to be honest with you, when it when it first started out, it, it was going to be a six month project, um, just following his in lead up to world title. Yeah. I mean, two and a half years ago they started filming, um, but what that ended up changing with. You know, I had my wedding, and I had um, I left Eddie, and I signed with Frank, and yeah. I got an injury, and then I had my baby, and it, then it got back onto the original scripts. What the what they started out, which were the lead up to the world title, but what they had then was depth, and uh, they were able to tell a more deeper story. Um, I mean, they've got like over three hundred hours of footage of the yeah. of the guys all filmed, but and it's all squeezed in for to an hour and a half. But but what a story it tells, and, mate! Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, from from a fight fan's point of view. I mean, the beautiful, beautiful thing about it is that it is real and that nothing is just planned out. If, the, if it would have been just a six-month period of from one fight leading to a world title fight, I mean, yeah, it would yeah. still have been a, a wonderful story because of the climax of the world title fight and you're becoming world yeah. champion. Yeah. But it doesn't always play out like that in boxing. You know what I mean? You've had to wait. You've had to be patient. You've had to change, you change promoters, all these things. There's little bits and niggles in training camp and all this type of stuff. That's real. That's what really goes on, and that's what fight fans want to see. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that's like the, the producer Nick Riley was saying. He didn't want to have like a you know a flash and brush. He didn't want to have like a, a documentary style like Floyd Mayweather, or like yeah. this is what boxing does for you. He wanted to show the other side of it, how, how families affected the business side to injuries and when fights don't happen and how long a period it can be. I mean, I say over in, in the film, you, you know, you watch yourself, it's, it's two and a half years yeah. you know, of a journey. And uh, and hopefully, you know, not just, that's just not myself. That's like, that's majority of boxers, majority of boxers' lives. Are, Absolutely. Are so that's no, um, hopefully, like, people will watch that and, and maybe look at boxers in a different kind of light. And now, listen... I know that you've got a, a massive following, but this film is going to send that following to the next level because you are a normal fella, and it comes across in yeah. in in the film. Obviously, you got the football, you've got that football connection, and and what have you. But not just that, the family life stuff. Not taking the Selby fight originally because you were getting wed, you'd made a promise to your missus. You know what I mean? Things like that. That's yeah, what normal yeah. guys do. That's what normal blokes do. You know what I mean? And that, again, I've got to take my hat off and commend you for that, pal. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, that, I mean, that was a, a bit of a sore subject at the time. I, mean, the, uh, <laughs> I bet it was. I remember, yeah, I remember, I remember it, uh, cutting cutting grass in back garden and uh, <laughs> the phone going absolutely berserk because um, people were sending texts. It had gone out on social media and on on, on like Sky News and that saying that I'd, I'd turn the fight down against Selby because I didn't married and then it was a bit of a discussion between me and my wife when having to change the date and stuff like that. But life goes on, doesn't it? And you know, boxing is just a a, a period of your life. So yeah, you know. I always knew that the, the shot of the world title, I'd, I'd get there. Um, it's just, you know, I, I thought that we could dictate dictate it a little bit on our terms and just got to be a bit more patient. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that I, I made the decision to just go ahead and, and have, me, have me wedding. And, um, you know, it's all about timing in boxing and, you know, it paid off getting the fight at Ellen Road two years later. I also like the fact that uh, you you had your wedding speech on your phone, mate. That was nice. You know what I mean? Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad they only give it a little snippet. I mean, it went on a little bit longer than than, than uh, what they're showing in the film. But yeah, yeah, that was planned like on the night before. Just uh, couldn't sleep, quite nervous. Actually, actually more nervous than getting ready for a fight. And mate, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as your as your uh, as your dad been walking around Leeds like he's the man now, giving it the Conor McGregor strut because he's got. He's, when this gets released, he is yeah. going to be signing autographs for for fun in it because he comes across as a comedian. 
Yeah, this is it. He's like the bubble dog, isn't he? He's, uh, yeah, listen, he's already got straight anyway. He's already got straight anyway. He just keeps on telling me that like someone like Jackie Moore is going to phone him up. Getting himself the so, clothing uh, deal. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is it. So, um, yeah, he said, I'm, I'm going to get TV shows. I'm going to do cooking shows. I'm going to do modeling agencies. He's full of it now, man. If he's had one big enough already. <laughs> How were, how were them two twins, mate? Beautiful. Yeah, they're fantastic. Good. They're fantastic. Um, you know, things. sometimes you forget, um, you know, the, the stuff what the guys had filmed. You know, I, I'd, I'd forgot about them little moments, you know, yeah. because my, my head was just, my head was more or less focused on the fight. So you do forget about them little moments and it is nice to see, but, um, you know, like I say, it, I guess it shows uh, the audience, you know, the, the family side and like I say, a lot of, a lot of boxers, you know, have to sacrifice missing time with family and, uh, and whatnot to, pursuing the dreams regarding that it is a it is a film about pursuing a dream and eventually achieving the dream becoming world champion in sensational fashion i mean you couldn't i know you did dream it obviously going to yeah. ellen road and fighting an elite champion selby's no joke mate he's a proper proper yeah. fighter and you mugged him off that night you put it on him and, and took it it was never a split decision it should have been unanimous but you got the decision yeah. you got the belt now you're the king of the castle you know what i mean yeah Look at what's now happening on December the twenty second. It's an absolute monster fight. Yeah, well, this is it, and you know it, what I did on the night is some of what I've been saying for a few years. Um, and those who listen, I've been telling them, you know, when the Saudi fight comes, I'm going to show another level. I'm going to, I'm going to bring the best, and uh, and I'm, I'm I'm going to make the fight, you know, an, an easy one. And, and I, I don't want to sound too cocky or beginning, but I think that's how how, how the fight played out. You know, it were it were it were really steady way. Um, you know, made history. Um, Lived a dream. In, in, in terms of the, in terms of the film, that you know the, the like I say Nick, Nick the producer, they were they were like, wow, you couldn't get any better. You yeah. Know, especially, especially when they had split decision. Yeah. You know, if, for for those who don't know about myself or or don't know about the fight, you know, it's like art in the mouth kind of thing. But <laughs> but yeah, the journey goes on and uh, it doesn't stop there. And and well, on that, on the journey now, because it's Frampton, December twenty second, Manchester. Your Leeds fans, his Belfast fans, the atmosphere is going to be crazy three days before Christmas. It's going to be an epic, epic night um, for the IBF strap, which you obviously are going to be defending on that particular night, mate. What's it like now being champion? You, you've spent years climbing the mountain to become champion. What's training yeah. camp now like as champion? Is it any different? Oh, I get chauffeured to gym now. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got a personal uh, uh, butler who comes over and packs me down after each round. Um, you know, I don't have to leave my house because I've got a 72 bed. Silk pyjamas, man. Yeah, Silk pyjamas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no change, man. No change. You know, we're not, we know, we're still going to do this, camp. Well, we, we're doing this camp in Leeds, um, just like we, you know, we always do. I like my own comforts and uh, I like to have my friends and my family around me and it just, it keeps me in, in, good, in, in a good state mentally. So, I like to have, you know, the same gym, the same um, trainers and everything else around me, same, um, same comforts and uh, and we do what we always do get in the gym and we just train hard give it 100% every session what do you see in him at this moment regarding weaknesses of which you can exploit um obviously I don't want to give too much away um you know Carl is a, is a very good fighter but let's have it right before before I box Selby you know a lot of people would argue you know that Lee Saldo were better than him and there was, that was quite a debate it was yeah. kind, of, kind of split 50-50 it was better Carl or Lee yeah. um, 
and and now you know I beat I beat Lee, and now people are saying, "Oh, Carl's this elite level is a level above." And I don't think it, that's the case. Maybe a few years ago he had the potential to be like a an elite level, but you know when when he lost his um, world title to, to Santa Cruz, I think he kind of just dropped off there. But um, that's not to say I'm taking him seriously. He's you know he's a, he's a very very good fighter, um, but looks like any fighter has a weaknesses is. He gets caught, gets caught a lot. I don't think he does the twelve rounds as well as he as he used to do, um, and and just little things like the hard fights and the hard spine camps. I mean, he's not spring chicken. He, you know, it takes his toll on you. So, but like I say, I'm I'm still preparing like he's a prime. You know, the you know best Southampton you can get. Looking forward to it, mate. It's got fight of the year written all over it. December twenty second in Manchester, Warrington, Frampton for the IBF crown. Superb. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for your time, mate. Hey, mate, good to speak to you as always. And you, take care. Superb stuff. Josh Warrington there. Do stick around. We've got lots to get through, including a bit of chat about Mikey Garcia and uh, Errol Spence. That fight is on. We're talking about it next. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis. Time to have a little bit of a dip into any other business. Now, I know we spoke about this uh, on last week's show, but I just want to quickly touch upon uh, the fight that was announced uh, this week from uh, Al Heyman's stable of PBC fighters. There's quite a few that have been announced this week, uh, but the uh, Errol Spence Jr. Mikey Garcia knock-up at £147. I'm excited about this. Listen, I'm excited about it. I would much rather have seen Mikey Garcia with Vasil Lomachenko, no question about it. Correct. But... I'm excited about it. Mikey Garcia, I'm a big advocate of anybody daring to be great. He's gone through the weight categories. He's worked multiple world champion. He's taking on one of the pound for pound best on the planet in Errol Spence Jr., who is uh, the welterweight champion. Now, when I saw them face off against each other, I didn't realise how big of the size difference. I knew there was a size difference, but the size difference is absolutely massive. I'd say something, Mikey Garcia's got some serious cojones, hasn't he? Getting in with this boy. He's got the neck of a bull. He's a fantastic fighter, but remember, this guy's come up from featherweight. That's what worries me. Mm. And he's up against uh, a very... A proper welterweight. Well, um, Spence isn't the biggest welterweight in the world, but he's very broad, and he's very long when he fights, and he's so technical and so cute, such a brilliant mover, and so devastating and accurate. Uh, like you say, I was looking forward to Lomachenko going, Vasil Lomachenko, the Ukrainian who's come up three weight divisions, fighting Garcia, either at lightweight or light mm-hmm. welterweight, um, and that being a real physical challenge for him. But, you know, um, he's only 5'6", mm. you know? And, 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 and Spence is, what is he, 5'11", 5'11 You really saw the size oh, difference. Oh, massive, yeah. So, I think, what um, we'll go, I think what we will see. From, I, I, I'm sorry, I'd love Garcia to do well this. He won't. He won't. He, he, he won't but, do but well. There's, but he's not expected to do well. If that makes sense, I think it from his point of view, it's doing, a silly fight. It, he well, must, yeah, but but if you think about it, no, Adam, he's thirty-nine. But he's and daring 0. to be great, right? And I, I'm all right with this. Now listen, it's, it makes more financial sense. Let's put it this way, then it makes more financial and business sense for him to go and take this fight first and fail, right? That he can always come back down and fight Lomachenko. All right, fa- look, fair enough. He's already set a legacy. He's a four-weight world champion. Yeah. So, so that, that's extraordinary in itself. Um, he is only 30. He's probably got another five years left. He had a year and a half out with promotional disputes with top rank, of course, and then came back in, sat out that time. 
I'm a li- I'm not as bad as you are over lot Vasil Lomachenko. I'm not that fanboy a fanboy, mm-hmm. but I'm quite. I, I, I've got a real soft spot for Mikey Garcia because sat down with him once in Vegas and I just thought, you know, he's got the whole lineage in his family. Yeah. You know, these, these Mexicans that came across the border, you know, picking fruit, you know, out of the ground, so poor. And they, they, they he's such, a, such an upright, honourable leader of a man. He's top a man. Yeah. And, um, um, That's why I don't hold it against him for daring to be great and go <laughs> oh, up to no, I don't hold it against him. I, I just question the... The the sense in doing it. Uh, listen, if he wins this fight, it'd be extraordinary. But if he wins this if he fight, wins fight, he's number one pound for pound in the world. We just Definitely. said the exact yeah, same I, thing. I agree. I agree. We fist bump. Then there you go. That, no, I agree. That if he wins this, he's pound for pound number one in the world. It's a great. It's 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 a great piece of matchmaking by Errol Spence's team. Mm. Um, it's Heyman, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah so. You know, great piece of matchmaking by them. Mm. Um, other things that have been going on in the world of uh, of boxing, which pricked my ears up over the last ten days, really, because this happened at the back end of the uh, build up to Tony Bellew's fight, because there was a pre- uh, a presentation of the Ring Magazine belt to Callum Smith. Now you were up there in Liverpool; they've had the presentation, everybody's singing and dancing, and then they start talking about potential fights for Callum Smith. Anfield, obviously, is a destination. We're all excited about that. We'd love a little bit of a knock in the centre of that park. And then we start talking about opponents. Gennady Golovkin, anybody? Mm-hmm. Up at super middle? Yeah. Fancy a bit of that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I it's think a great fight. Yeah, listen, Gennady Golovkin in, and, uh, comes up to, to fight at super middle. Obviously, we've got Rocky Fielding um, defending his uh, regular WBA title against uh, Canelo, Saul Canelo mm-hmm. Alferes, um, uh Madison Square Garden on the 15th of December. I think you're going out, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, you know, it's... Um, I think it's... You know, it's it's all roads lead to more contests between Callum and Rocky. Those two. <laughs> maybe, maybe the two. You know, or maybe Canelo I, and Triple G. I don't see. I think. Um, listen again. The size disparity with Rocky Fielding yeah. and Canelo Alvarez is enormous. And if you're listening, Rocky, I do think Canelo gets to Rocky, but I think Rocky will give it a fantastic go. I think Canelo will go to the body. Really go to the body. He he's has got, to, doesn't he's he? got about four foot to aim at, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. You know? Right in front of him. And Canelo is a big, dangerous head. But think puncher. about this. For two British lads, right? Two scousers. From from a few miles apart. To be in the <laughs> to be well, Rocky's in one of them and Callum is potentially in one of them. That is unbelievable. No, Gennady Golovkin and months. Canelo are the two biggest oh. pay-per-view stars and in boxing two of our outside lads. Anthony Joshua. And they could be know. fighting two of our lads. Yeah, one no, of them definitely is happening. Uh, one of them's happening at Madison Square Garden. It's yeah, fairy tale yeah, stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well, listen, I remember years ago, I, mean, I spoke about this a few weeks ago, when, when Michael Jennings got the the, oh, the Miguel Cotto, Cotto call-up yeah. to fight at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, he was a kid in a punk band at the time. He was, you know, he, he was a really cool man, I thought, Michael. I've known him for years. And I reminded of it, of it, of him, him of it recently. Recently, and uh, you know it was a great occasion. He lasted, I think, it was five rounds against Cotto that night. But you know, I think Fielding will really go and give it it is all. He's a very kind of quiet, timid man. Yeah, who I always mistake for Callum Smith. Um, weirdly, I don't know why I've got the kind of. I know they're scousers. Names. That's what it is. We all you. look the same, don't they? No, no it's the scousers. <laughs> yeah, they're a collective fighting group. No, but the um, it is amazing. One one of those fights. Unless Callum, if Callum and Rocky win, they'll end up at Anfield as well, for God's sake. Yeah. Because it will be, you know, it'll be Golovkin and Canelo in the crowd watching them. But, you know, it, 
this is part of the resurgence of British boxing. This is why the Usyks, the Lomachenkos, the, the, the Canelos, the Golovkins want to come here. Mm. And it's great that those two are stepping up to super middleweight before they most likely fight again at middleweight. Mm. Um, you know, Canelo signed a big deal with the zone. It wouldn't surprise me to see eventually Golovkin and Canelo fight on DAZN in you know because mm. they they've got to build their subscription base mm. at the moment in America um, and you know the, the, there's a great platform for here for creating atmospheres uh, and crowds Adam but um, yeah it's just incredible and also of course we were there a couple of weeks ago John Ryder will be screaming at the yeah, show right now going don't forget to mention me I came in yeah. and and you know he won against Sorokin um, at the Copper Box where we were good of win. course broadcasting yep. it was a good win and and you know he'll be screaming for a fight with uh, with one of those two anyway as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk Anthony Gogo in a minute because a lot of people will have seen his uh, his very personal, very heartbreaking Instagram post that he stuck up this week through um, the amount of eye operations that the gentleman has gone through over over the last couple of years. I'll get to that in a minute. Just quickly on Floyd. Uh, and Tenshin, the uh, Japanese kickboxer. Yes, we, we thought that this was all over. Hang on a minute, it's Floyd. So it's not necessarily quite all over. The fight was on, then the fight was off. Now the fight might be back on again um, it, under Floyd's rules and regulations, where therefore there's no kicking. Um, it's basically a little bit of a, a dance, isn't it? It's like a Strictly Come Dancing extravaganza on New Year's Eve yeah. uh, for three rounds. Yeah, well, that's what he always thought it was going to be, I think. Yeah, you know, so, He's got, it seems to have got uh, his own way now. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, look, he, look. You can't punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah, look, it, it's it's going to be uh, over a farce. Is what it's going to be, mate. Well, it's going to be a farce. Yeah. And then the, a lot of Japanese kids are going to come out in uh, on New Year's Eve. They're going to pay a ton of cash. He's going to walk away with eighty million dollars, and everybody he's laughing his head off once again. Uh, there was the a, money yeah, is making yeah, the money. Yeah. Well, as some um, Sakaki Sakakibara, uh, the former um, Pride president, um, now obviously risen president said um yesterday the misunderstanding with the misunderstanding with floyd has been resolved yeah he will fight with tension nasukawa on new year's eve for risen 14 yeah this is a bit that worries me i will explain the details once i am back in japan yeah now i think it will be called a kickboxing match yeah right and it will be over three three minute rounds but i think there'll be a clause which says yes it's a kickboxing match but you're not allowed to kick yeah Something like that. But, well, I just reckon, right? But Nasukawa will will they will say you're not allowed to kick, and if you do, you do it from ten feet away. Right. Listen, we want to see a kick tension, from them, don't we? Listen, I know you listen to the show, tension. Just lay him out. Just absolutely mow him out. It'll go global. You'll make a ton of cash just off YouTube uh, revi- revisits alone, my friend. <laughs> so if they say it's a kickboxing match, just say I didn't understand. There was a language barrier. Lay him out with one of them spinning roundhouses. That's yeah, what we want, yeah. isn't it? And, and, yeah, and and also of course uh, the money is now right for Floyd, you know, mm. the, the, which probably wasn't right as well. But I understand he's earning eighty-eight million for this, but dollars. So um, ten billion yen. <laughs> 10 billion yen. That's where he's at, mate. Anyway. On 10 to- billion yen shin. Mm. Never mind. Mm. On to- That's why you write, mate. See that? <laughs> Headlines coming in out your ears. Now, listen, before... Uh, th- let's go to- on to a more serious topic. I mentioned Anthony Gorgon yeah, there. Yeah. Um, everybody followed his journey um, in the amateurs and in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we anticipated great things for him in the pro game. It just hasn't necessarily kicked on because of... This this reoccurring injury he's had. How many operations now? Five, is it, on his eyes? He's had, I think this was his fifth operation on his eyes. His last chance saloon to get everything sorted in order for him to get back into professional game. 
Um, and just listening to him talk post-operation, obviously not knowing the full outcome of how the operation has gone as of yet, but it just listen to the way that he was speaking from his heart of how much he just wants to be able to do the thing that he loves once again. It's heartbreaking yeah. to hear a man speak like that. Yeah, I was on Sports Bar with him like a couple of months ago, I think, for an hour with um, with Goldstein or Cundy. Um, and um, you could see how how the eye was, was, um, it was just looking a different way and yeah. this was his sixth operation um, and you know he's just saying it, it's as low as he's ever felt um, um, and remember this is a guy whose mum had a brain hemorrhage when he was fighting in the London Olympics he's very low at the time then um, and that was terribly painful him and he still went on and won that middleweight I think it was middleweight so it's bronze medal wasn't it um, this was the final roll of the dice um, he's 29 now Mm. Um, he got that eye injury against um, Craig Cunningham back in 2016 mm. um, so the Suffolk boy I think he spent you know he had a career modelling and you know a bit of reality TV, TV and all that stuff yeah he's there. a handsome man he's a, he's a lovely man um, he comes across I've not spent too much time with Anthony but he comes across as a really top lad I know he, he's he's a star he, he's, he's he's one of those very he's a very cool man he's cool you know um, and I do fear for him. I mean, he's. He, I, I just. You cannot fight if your eyes aren't right. You of know, course. Bit, so. Um, but from the just from the aspect of not being able to do the thing that you love, that's heartbreaking because everybody can uh, adhere to that. Everybody listening to this will have some type of passion. It might not necessarily be fight sports, but you've got something. And and you know we've all been there. We've we've played football for a period of time, and your body gives up. You know what I mean? It might not necessarily be the highest level of football. It might just be five aside. You work for about 10 days after that game, you know, so therefore you end up having to pack it in. And that is heartbreaking within itself. But if this is your life, if it's your career, if it's everything you've you've given, and then uh, an injury like he has uh, obtained that he just can't get right, no, it must be heartbreaking for him yeah. to have to walk away from it, if if indeed that is the result of this final operation. Well, I mean, you know, he he's had loads of injuries. He had the shoulder injury in 2015. Mm. He had an Achilles injury in 2014. Yes, he did. And 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 I think it was the elbow or the forearm of Cunningham that hit him. You know, it was his first loss in 12 fights in 2016. And I think it um, broke his eye in multiple places. You know, there were multiple fractures. So you know, I mean. I don't know. He'll he'll do fine, Anthony, because he he's he, he's, he's, he's very lad. versatile. Yeah, he's yeah. very versatile, very sharp, and as mm. I say, he's very cool. And he just needs to 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 keep trying. And then you know he's twenty nine now, so he had a long amateur career as well. Remember, mm. so you know, so it's difficult to say. I just wish him all the best, and I hope it works out. No, I agree. Um, stick with us. You listen to Fight Now and Talk Sport. Yes, we do boxing, but we also do mixed martial arts. Uh, me and Gareth haven't had to speak yet about Yaya Rodriguez and that freak elbow is coming up next. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sports. If you've only just joined us, you can get this on podcast, all right? You can get it via the website, talksport.com, and via iTunes. There's a full three-hour show over there for you. Anthony Crowley's been on the show, Dave Cowell and Josh Warrington. And we've also been speaking about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Right now, though, it is time to turn our attention towards mixed martial arts. And we have to start, my friend, at the most freakiest knockout of all time. Just let me paint a picture for people that aren't too... Uh, into MMA. Um, last weekend, UFC Denver was the 25th 
celebratory anniversary of the birth of the UFC. Uh, the main event was the Korean Zombie. That's yeah, that's his nickname. Uh, taking on uh, Yar Rodriguez. Yar Rodriguez was a late replacement. Uh, Frankie Edgar ended up pulling out of this fight, so Yar Rodriguez came in to this fight. Now it was an epic battle, back and forth for five rounds. Korean Zombies winning this fight by about three rounds to one on two of the cards. I think it's two apiece on the other card, right? There's 10 seconds of the fight left in the fifth round. Both men have got their hands up in the air. They have a little bit of an handshake as the clacker goes off. 10 seconds to go. Korean Zombie leans in. And then Yar Rodriguez, an elite striker from absolutely out of nowhere. And when I first saw it, I didn't think he meant it. I actually thought it was a headbutt. He produces this back-armed elbow from nowhere landed it right on the whiskers of uh, Korean Zombie and knocked him out cold with one second of the fight remaining. Is that the most craziest knockout that you have ever seen in a UFC octagon? Well, I think it's certainly... um, Because you're watching it and you know there's 10 seconds left and they're they're 10-second hooter sounds and they both put their arms up to say, haven't we just had a great great fight? fight, Let's just let it go now. And of course... Um, I think I want to say there's an element of luck involved. Here. I don't want to be shouting. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, I mean, I know, actually didn't originally, and I'm still confused by it. <laughs> I didn't think he meant it. Um, well, it it's just, hard. It's hard for me to understand that he meant that because it is so weird the way that he's knocked not, him out. I mean, Korean Zombie. I've, <laughs> I've done a couple of interviews with him. Chan Sung Young, by the way, just in Chan case Sung you want to, yeah, want his real Zombie, name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- n- so named because whenever he's hurt, he just, just keeps on forward. coming. Yeah, I mean, he's an extraordinary character. It was, it was for a co- that interview was for a cover of Fight Sony magazine where we kind of mocked him up as walking over the hill like the Walking yeah, yeah. Dead and, and coming forward with his gloves, and um, it just shows you the levels of exhaustion that fighters can go to because Yair Rodriguez El Pantera yeah. who's a lovely kid as well he looks like a choir boy in his mufti yeah. do you know what I mean in his, <laughs> in his street clothes no he does he looks like you don't like mufti do you no okay mufti how about Mufti? Does Mufti he's a good-looking lad. No, he's no, he's he's a lovely kid. Yeah, mm. I've chatted to him in Vegas for bumped him in the street, bumped into him in the street, and you know, it, it's just extraordinary what these guys give. And the nice thing for both of them is that everyone will always not put it as the Panteras moment, but it was their moment mm. because they'd given everything in mm. the fight. Have I ever seen a knockout? Is it not not on the not? On the hooter like no. that. One we've second seen, to go. Yeah. We've seen wars between um, kind of Mark Hunt and Bigfoot Silver that went down and up and down and up, bloodied over yeah, 25 yeah. minutes, heavyweights, thinking they were going to stop each other. We've seen amazing clashes down the years, but I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like yeah, that. Yeah. Originally, I did say that I thought it was a fluke and that he didn't mean it, and I've analysed it and gone back. I've seen Luke Thomas, one of uh, the American journalists, uh, really pull it to pieces, and I'm going to apologise to you, Yar, because now that I've seen it and seen other people talk about it, you did mean it. It was the most freakish shot I've ever seen in my entire life, and if you actually go back and look through the fight, he kind of was trying to set it up all the way through the fight and then lands it with a second to go. If you've not seen it and you've no idea what we're talking about, please... Just stick it in Google and go and have a nose. It. Really it, need to watch twelve seconds because that is yeah, it. You know, the last you can seconds. see how exhausted they are at the time. No, it's absolutely um, outstanding. Yeah. And of course, and of course, 
um, I think I'm right in saying that was the event that celebrated the 25th yeah. anniversary yeah. of the UFC that's in what Denver, I said, Colorado. That's, that's what, that's what I, I wasn't listening start. to you. I no, forgot. you never pay attention to, to me. No, I've got fed up of listening to you. Yeah. Sorry, move on. All right, on. okay then. Um, Sorry, Ed. I'm just, I'm stick- just teasing right. you. I'm going to stick with the UFC just for a moment <laughs> uh, because um, yesterday on social media there's a little bit breaking that uh, Nick Diaz, not Net, Net. Nick Diaz, who hasn't been in the UFC octagon for the best part of four years. Not Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal. Great fight. March next year. Nick Diaz. The scrap pack are coming back, baby. They're getting it on. What am I wearing today? You're wearing your scrap pack t-shirt. That's because I went down to see Gil Melendez and Carrie Melendez in the Scary Carrie Melendez and Gil El Nino, um, the Storm. Uh, Melendez in their Third Street uh, gym in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. Wow, they've got a 7,000 foot facility off Cesar Chavez Street. Mm. Cesar Chavez was a great Mexican yeah, yeah, yeah. union man that created um, great inroads for Mexicans, uh, Mexican-Americans, of course. Um, they're down in the hood there. They were further in the hood. What an amazing place that is. The Scrap Pack, Gil Melendez, Jake Shields still going. Um who else are there? Nate Diaz, of course. He'll brother. be back soon. Yep. And Nick Diaz, Cesar Gracie. Are you, are you surprised, and, by the way, that Nick is planning on a comeback? Uh, no, not Four really. Four years, man. Four yeah, years. I was, just, I was just looking at his record here, you know. Um, I had a great time uh, following Nick's career. And, and, you know, I just don't know... I don't know, Adam, whether... Um, you look at his last three fights... God, that's a long time ago. Carlos Connor, I remember him yeah. disputing that fight in Las Vegas. He tested positive for marijuana after his big advocate, of course, of marijuana. Yeah. Um, it's legal in California. The loss to George St. Pierre and then the no contest against uh, Anderson Silva. Uh, of course, <laughs> Anderson Silva positive for steroids after that one. Diaz again positive for marijuana. Um, three years, that is, isn't it? Three years, eight months. Am I surprised... Yeah, I mean, he's called, doesn't he, called for a Bisping fight. He's called for different fights with McGregor. Mm. Um, money runs out, doesn't it? It does you eventually. Um, Jorge Masvidal's no joke, though. Don't be, you don't want to be messing about, do you? You want to be taking it seriously if you're fighting Masvidal. Yeah, and, and, Di- and Diaz, I don't know, the, Di- the, the rest might have done Diaz a bit of good, you know. I mean, he's, a, he'd had, he's only had 37 fights. Um, he stays very fit. He loves doing triathlons yeah, does. and things like that. So, um, I'd love to see him, but I love Nick. I, I, I love great. They, they are both great. great. I, I, I just—they make me feel like their mad uncle when I'm with when I'm. When you I'm are the mad uncle. Yeah, I do. I, I just got a real soft spot for them. I remember telling them, both of them, one day. I made the journey from Las Vegas to San Francisco. Got a cab. It's about four or five years ago. A cab from Las Vegas to San Francisco. That must have cost no, sorry, you a bomb. From, from San Francisco, sorry, up to Concord, oh, right. where Caesar Gracie Gym. <laughs> sorry, I flew to flew to. I'm going to say that. How long were you travelling for? Four days. But I went to see the whole scrap pack in a day in in Concord at Caesar Gracie's gym, and I remember Nick particularly that day being so fascinating. They were a, a really fascinating group um to speak to mm. um because they are they they 
they didn't realize how popular they were they were all they always kind of had this you know the you know, the scrap pack they always felt like they're from the hood. they were po- from the herd they yeah. weren't popular people didn't like them and they didn't realize that the counterculture mm. the counterculture that existed for them was really so popular with fans mm. and you know i think a couple of years later they actually realized how popular they were but i remember saying to nick nick do you realize how many people like you support you love your your honesty authenticity I would say he's almost like the Tony Bellew yeah, maybe. Of, of MMA in that way, maybe. you know? Yeah, a maybe. very similar kind of character. Without the marijuana for Tony, by the way. Well, yeah, I I'm not saying Tony's a marijuana <laughs> um, Just a quick one. Um, last, we've only got a few seconds on this. So uh, Last night. Last night. Tel, Tel Aviv. Bellator. Well, it wasn't last night. It was actually Thursday night, but it was black. Yeah, I didn't, was even I didn't out. know that. So, yeah, they blacked it, was, it, it was, out and it was... It was a blacked, event, blacked out event. So it, it, it's showing on Paramount last night in America... I, we always talk about this deal next year is yeah. loads of European events I know you're yawning through that <laughs> we do need a deal now it is coming um, that um, yes that, an amazing event um, and Patricio uh, Patrick Pitbull Friere yep. defending his title in a war against uh, Emmanuel Sanchez uh, one of Duke Rufus's guys um, brilliant fight unanimous decision um, god those those Pitbull brothers are something else brilliant to be around um, great to see mixed martial arts in the Middle East and what was really significant about that card was the father and son connection hmm. Haim Ghazali who's been fighter uh, jiu-jitsu guy, promoter, f- event organizer, official in Israel. Mm. Him and his son fighting on the same card. Uh, you know, Aviv Ghazali fighting on the same card. 18 years old. Um, Haim's a great guy. Um, and, and in Israel, it's the third biggest sport. Football, basketball, mixed mm. martial arts. Um, Bellator, I've been there a few times now. I think they've become very big. Mixed martial arts, very big. But what was fascinating as well about that card was that Haim lost to Ryan Couture, who was being cornered by Randy Couture, his father, and also Conry Gracie, uh, the son of Hoist Gracie, uh, was also fighting. And Hoist, winner of UFC 1, was cornering his son, father and son there. So we really are genuinely and literally... Next generation Yeah, stuff. we talked about 25 mm. years of UFC. It's next generation time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for your time uh, this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always being in the chair with Gareth talking all fight sports. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. If you've missed any part of it, you can get the podcast uh, on TalkSport.com and via iTunes. Uh, we are now... Uh, getting ready to uh, do a little bit of jetting because you're going Tuesday, aren't you, to America for uh, Wilder Fury? Getting ready for that, you're going to spend a little bit of time with Wilder. We're going to hear some of that on next week's show. We will. I'll be with Deontay Wilder in Alabama. So there you go. Yep. Um, and then the following week, all guns blazing. I'm going to see Tyson Fury as well next week. All guns you blazing, know? man. It's going to be amazing. Getting excited for it. Hopefully, you're excited and you'll come on the journey with us too. We'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 